Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. This is the Hagman and Hagman Report for today. It is a Friday edition, Friday, June 9th, 2017, coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. Have we got a show lined up for you? This segment, Dark Journalist, coming on. Uh, got some, he's got some revelations for us. This is going to be absolutely tremendous. Um, just want to thank everyone for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all you do for us. By the way, I'm behind on emails. My apologies um, if you sent an email uh, that necessitates a response. I apologize. It's just been rough catching up, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll get there. I want to thank Global Star Radio Network. Thank you so much for carrying our program. We broadcast live there week weeknight, seven to ten p.m. Eastern time, and of course, I want to. Uh, also give a nod to Blog Talk Radio PTR, and we also stream live on YouTube, seven to ten p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. By the way, this weekend, this weekend, if anything does uh, come up, as usual, we will be at the ready. Uh, we do have, uh, and I'll make this announcement: we do have some uh, investigations that are in various states of of uh, play, I suppose. Uh, we're going to be breaking some news over the next couple of weeks based on investigations we have done, we have superintended or otherwise um, uh, been involved with. And the investigations uh, will be, uh, actually, you're going to be hearing about some of those tonight, not from our viewpoint, but from others. So it's it's all good. We do have the globalist pedophiles, um, criminal evil elements, I believe, on the run and uh, exposing their deeds of darkness in every chance we at every chance we get. And of course the blowback is ex- extensive when when that happens, you get blowback. But uh of course j- just some headlines of course drudge dismay with respect to Theresa May in the UK that uh, election, of course. And uh just a number of other things taking place behind the scenes. The uh, anti-Sharia rallies are taking place this weekend. Uh, Anti-pedophilia or exposing pedophilia rallies taking place. And if we could, let's uh, just take one second. Go ahead, sir. Uh, what's going on with the anti-Sharia marches, because there is a, a few articles about this. Yes. Circulating the Internet, and as the... Anti-Sharia rallies are approaching. People are already calling uh, out, saying uh, they have violence concerns, and that's the headline from Judge, because there are counter-protests planned in a number of uh, venues where these anti-Sharia protests are directly across the street or within the same block of the vicinity of the anti-Sharia rallies. And there are a number of them uh, across the town, but there are a few that are making some more news than, than the others. Um, the 
the one of the articles on Drudge is talking about Portland. There has been a lot of the Antifa protest and you know, socialist communism protest in Portland. They have a huge, I mean, just ask John. Uh, he'll tell you how bad that area has become. But I guess the big question is, will we see counter-protest and violence? Will will this escalate to violence? I believe it will in some areas, in some of these hotspot areas. Yes, we have to keep our eyes on that. Of course, maybe the uh, the pro-Sharia elements can uh, have some cheese with their wine or join James Comey, uh, who needs definitely, as Jay Sekulow points out, needs to grow up. Um, I, I couldn't believe, well, I, I could, but sadly, the head of the most important uh, domestic intelligence agency in our country whining yesterday in the uh, congressional testimony. My goodness. Seriously. Don't leave me alone in a room, Oh, my goodness. Give me a coloring book, will you? There was a a kind of a funny video. Somebody took a a snippet of Comey's testimony and matched it up with a soundbite from the Kathy Griffin apology. I saw that. And at first, it kind of—I had to—I turned it on for a few seconds, and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of stupid." <laughs> then I went back and I watched the whole thing through, and it did sync up pretty good. And uh, what, what it was was it made Comey uh, sound like it was him that was complaining about how Donald Trump broke him. Yeah, uh, I'm broken. I'm broken. <laughs> oh, yeah, but what, what she didn't say. Kathy Griffin, uh, Griffin did say that, but, but that's essentially what he telegraphed. And, and uh, it's sad when you've got a an adult male, six foot eight. That is reduced to a blubbering, uh, blabbering blob of, oh, you know, it's, it's sad. It, really, look at, look at the landscape of men today in this country. Where in the hell have all the men gone? It, it, it's, it's amazing to me. If men in the 19, I'll, I'll even say in the 70s, if, if men acted, in the 70s as they're acting today uh, they, they get beat up <laughs> I mean really or, or they it, 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 we wouldn't it, it just it, it wouldn't have happened it's incredible how we're seeing the devolution I believe of society and even of civility with Gillibrand also when you look at the uh, and I'm sorry but when you have uh, a uh, congressperson Gillibrand, for example, uh, ripping into President Donald Trump. And this is one thing, too, Joe, that we're going to have to make sure. We do show uh, President Trump the respect he deserves by calling him president, not just uh, Trump. Obama, that's different in my view. Obama did not earn that presidential title because he never... Um, he, he just he never showed that he was eligible for that, despite the common... Uh, well, fake news media stuff, but it's that and a number of other things. Yes. The you know the, the the rise to the office of the presidency from the state senator uh, from from Illinois, the connections to Bill Ayers having his political campaign started in, in Bill Ayers' living room. They're all scandals that have surrounded yep. him yep. Yep. and his background and his ties uh, as he was going through the campaign. I mean, the, the birth certificate was just the, the icing on the cake well, for uh, the Manchurian exactly. candidate type, You're right. Uh, You're right. You're uh, right. administration that he ran. 
but it's it, over. Uh, the damage is still there on the table. And yeah, exactly. And one thing I've noticed uh, as well, though, with res- with respect to respect, is you, you've got Senator Kirsten Gillibrand slamming President Donald Trump with uh, colorful language, saying he's not kept his promises. But she, you know, she has to go into the ghetto language-wise. Uh, he, you know, has he kept his promises? No. And then she she states. F, no. Of course, you fill in the F word there. And we have a a couple of times. We have uh, Daniel List, the dark journalist, coming on. Yep. But uh, real quick, I don't know if you saw the CNN got rid of the uh, Reza Aslan. Yeah, Aslan. The uh, after profane anti-Trump tweet. That's on Hagman Report also. Yeah. And then, folks, we want to bring your attention to another piece on Hagman Report. Uh, Liz Crokin. Definitely wrote an article, and she posted it on HagmanReport.com. President Trump zeroes in on elite pedophiles. And, folks, you can get that. It's right on the, the top of HagmanReport.com under, in the news section there. And Liz Crokin, as well as Craig Sawyer, and uh, Melissa, who's going to be with us tonight for a half hour, Honeybee on Twitter, are going to be joining us next Wednesday in Hour 3 for a roundtable discussion on uh, where the Pedogate investigation is as well as uh, any other up-to-date or important uh, breaks in that story. Well, Liz Crokin, by the way, is like the Energizer Rabbit uh, investigator. Uh, uh, she is an investigative Energizer Rabbit with respect to uh, Pentagate, the larger aspects of Pentagate, Pizzagate, Wiener, that, uh, all of those people. And her work is to be respected, I believe. So please, you're right, Joe. Uh, make sure everyone, please, go to HagmanReport.com. This is exclusive by Liz to the Hagman Report, HagmanReport.com for Liz Crokin's latest piece. Uh, following the show, I'm going to be uh, saying it on my social networking feed as well, and I believe the Hagman Report has it on theirs, but please spread it around. Please do that. Uh, lift up Liz Crokin in terms of her visibility, and uh, the, the subject is important as well. We need to keep pounding on the subject. And by the way, we have been, we have never felt, I, I have never seen so much, uh, and Joe can tell you, we have, we have never gotten so much blowback by any one specific topic than Pedogate, Pizzagate, and even, uh, even and especially by the Christians. Josh Peck is going to be talking about that in part as well. This is a show you're not going to want to miss. Um, also, other people call, you know, conservatives calling Pizzagate, Pedogate, fake news. Um, and, and I'll come right out and name, and name her, uh, you know, the, the serial stalker for, uh, that reference by, uh, Sean Hannity in that, in that term. Those are his words, not mine. But I agree with, uh, agree with him, uh, Debbie Schlussel. Solution, whatever the uh, movie reviewer slash attorney slash everyone's a pl- plagiarist person. Yeah, boy, I, I'm sure I'll be hearing about this now. I'll see a process server on my. It's like coming to the studio. <laughs> well, let's line, bring- line them up. Line up the process servers. Go ahead. I, I'm not afraid. Well, let's bring on our our guest with us. We have Daniel List, darkjournalist.com. Uh, Daniel's been a guest on our show uh, a few times before, and we're going to talk about a number of things uh, from current events and 
what's in the news to... Notice how Joe keeps me on track. <laughs> well, I just looked at the clock. We're already 11 minutes oh, in. Oh, okay, yes. And our sorry. guest has been standing by, so I want to make sure we give him the Rude time. Of us. Rude Daniel, welcome back to the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hey, it's great to be back, guys. It's great to have you back. I was just listening again to your last appearance. It's always a pleasure to have you. Brother, we took enough of your time. And by the way, if we can do this, uh, folks, uh, Global Star Radio, if we can just, uh, not have the bottom of the hour break, let's give Daniel List the entire, entire segment. Let's, sure. uh, so, so the network break. Thank you so much, Global Star, for allowing us to blow through that. Daniel, fire away, sir. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. You know, first, I have to congratulate both of you guys because, um, when I was on last, we were talking about the FBI director that Trump was going to appoint, and I was making the point that he was not going to be a deep state operator, so I got that right. But um, you guys made the point that it could be Chris Christie, which I thought was very interesting, and Christopher Ray is Chris Christie's guy. So you were right on the money. I, th- I think that was more Joe than me. I was leaning toward Johnson, but uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting how that. I'm not even. Flipped. I'm not even sure he was your preference, but you seem to be like you know. <laughs> maybe, I think it was Joe, but I I thought that was interesting because um, you know Ray represented Christie in Bridgegate, and um, going through this guy's resume is very interesting because he has a lot of deep connections, but he doesn't have anything overt to aerospace, uh, the deeper military intelligence stuff, which means he's not a deep state inside player on that deep level that's giving Trump so much of a hard time. So I think that's a big plus on this guy. Um, I also think the New York tie-in is good for Trump because when things get rough and they try to create this phony impression that President Trump is involved with uh, President Putin of Russia, they're going to need somebody at FBI who's not compromised. And uh, this guy does fit the bill. He uh, He's that New York insider. He knows that New York crowd. And uh, he did actually serve under Bush as assistant attorney general in a criminal uh, division. So he certainly has the chops. Yeah, and indeed he does. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the... Um the confirmation works out, the, the approval process, the yeah. acceptance on the acceptance as well. So it's going to be it's going to be great to see. Hopefully, this will be a very productive appointment, and um, yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens. Wow, good stuff, my friend. Well, you've well, got some you've got some information. It, it, just start wherever you want to start. <laughs> one last, yeah, one last thing I'll mention about sure. this kind of new lieutenant coming in to the FBI, a uh, Trump lieutenant. Trump really, you know, the people who helped President Trump get into office here um, during the election and once he was in really stabilizing the ship, I, I listed them off as Hannity, Alex Jones, uh, Bill O'Reilly, and Steve Bannon. And interestingly enough, each one of these people have really been through the ringer. Uh, for for big-time newscasters like Hannity and O'Reilly, okay, it's Fox News, but, you know, O'Reilly bounced out completely. I'm sure all the same allegations about O'Reilly were out there 10 years ago and didn't mean anything to the people then, um, but, you know, it was very easy 
to oust him because they really figured, you know, we can't have any pro-Trump stuff going on. So the deep state moves on the media are hardcore. Alex Jones, a custody case with his wife, his personal life gets exposed. Um, you know, they're really pushing on that. Um, so O'Reilly out Hannity. They try to pull most of his advertisers, uh, which I found was interesting because, you know, he basically, his big sin was saying that there was something to the Sith, the uh, Seth Rich investigation and that uh, there's a lot more to it and it was suppressed and that's a big no-no. So um, that leaves us with Bannon, who we know was outmaneuvered a couple of months ago and they set up clashes um, with Ivanka's husband there. So we, we certainly... Um, we have an unusual thing, which is like a chess match going on here, where they're trying to get at Trump, and what they need to do is remove the pawns, uh, you know, remove the bishops, and finally get at the queen, and, and then they can get right into Trump. And this is what they're doing. They're picking off his lieutenants. This guy, I think, is supposed to stop the uh, the bleeding in that department. That would be good. Hopefully he can do just that. Um Daniel, I'd like to add our, our names to the to the list of. Although we are not um, we are not in the same league, of course, as as those you have mentioned, with with perhaps the exception of Alex Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to what you said, you know, we have been experiencing. Of course, we have we, we're we're fighting legal battles, multi million dollar dollar lawsuits. Mm-hmm. We're fighting uh, harassment of our sponsors. We're fighting harassment every single day. And we're fighting, um, uh, I'll just call them serial stalkers and mm-hmm. just, you know, disinformation. So, so it, it's, um, much like Alex Jones, for example, who you mentioned, um, in one respect, the laying everything all out, uh, and some of it misinformation and taken out of context. That's, we're seeing that up close and personal. We're mm-hmm. seeing the sponsorship stuff, um, much like, uh, Sean Hannity. Uh, of course, he's got the, Deeper pockets, obviously, than we do. The reason I bring all of this up is it seems like the playbook is the the players are really doubling down and really increasing their efforts. And uh, my brother, I just hope you know, and, and I and I pray uh, for your protection as well because I know you're a target, a big target uh, out there as well. So we we need to stick together in this time and fight fight off these evil uh, minions of uh, ugh, these morons. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And uh, I'm really glad you pointed this out because, you know, it works like this. Whenever there's a pattern going on on top, that is in the mainstream, then it works into the, the alternative. They have to operate both at the same time. So if you see it going on in this mainstream field, then you look to the alternative and who are they targeting in alternative. And uh, if you find yourself having those problems, you know, they, they work on multiple levels. They go right from the top uh, in terms of viewership, you know, a sponsorship and all the rest of it. So they might be working all the way, uh, from something like Fox News down to radio, you know, because they, that's how they control the narrative. Because it's an interesting thing, um, I remember, you know, when I worked, and I worked for the Wall Street Journal, there was a, there was this whole thing about certain news could come out on local stations, like Denver could get certain news, Chicago could get certain news, but when it came up to a national level, like a New York Times or a Wall Street Journal, there was a choke point in between. So if there was something that they didn't want to get out, the media would coordinate, and they would make sure that none of those uh, 
channels that came out, none of the newspapers and, and media avenues that came out nationally would carry it all at the same time. So, you know, and I've seen this whenever they didn't want certain types of evidence to get out, for example, uh, in, a, in a case, or if there was a, you know, a strange report that came up about advanced technology and there was a court case that was local, um, you would find at the national level those points would get choked off. So these guys, they, they're always working top to bottom. This is the way that they operate in the alternative media to, to block these things uh, from coming up. So I think it's a, it's a crucial point what you just mentioned. When you see it happening with like a Hannity or something, you know one of us is next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, even though, and I have to point this out, for example, in the case of lawfare, or in the case of a lawsuit, for example, um, even though the, uh, the plaintiff may not prevail on the merits because there are no merits, it's a, it's a vexatious suit, for example, that, that really doesn't mean much because you still have to pony up the money to defend against the lawsuit. It's not, uh, unlike television, they don't throw stuff like that out at the, you know, oh, it, it, we're not going to hear this. No, no, you've got to go through uh, this whole process and even before you get to the point where they can say okay well can we throw this out or not you've already you're you're already in the hole 40 grand yes you know, I, I mean so those people uh, without support or without that money behind them or without the ability to mortgage everything they own um you know uh they'll get shut down so yeah absolutely right. uh you know there are maneuvers to tie things up to slow down operations. This is, I mean, this is kind of textbook how they work, and they have an unlimited budget because they're drawing in the black budget, which we can't even uh, have Congress see, as we know. So it's very tricky. It's very tricky territory. Um, but I think one of these things that happened on a high-low level this week was when Putin was talking to Megyn Kelly. And in the middle of that talk, you know, she was doing the whole... Uh, I say Trump, you say Russia, trying to link Trump to Russia. And it was kind of a silly conversation, a, a lot of it. But he said something very interesting when they were pressing him on the whole uh, Russia hack of the election. He said, well, the reason that they're saying that is because, as we know, there's a good deal of research that's been done in the United States that uh, the Kennedy assassination was engineered by intelligence services and they may be interested in doing the same type of thing with the same type of forces with Trump. And this comment is so electric. I can't tell you because it reminded me of this story that the the KGB and the Soviets at the time, this is 50 years ago, going back to the Kennedy assassination, they were so concerned that we were going to try to pin this on them, and of course Oswald had lived in Russia and all the rest of it, that they did their own investigation, and not a lot of people know this or comment on it because one, it was behind the Iron Curtain, and two, people just lost track of it after the Soviet Union dissolved, but they did a very extensive investigation and what they found was um, <laughs> their, well, first of all, part of their research report was something that Jackie Kennedy in 1976, uh, when she had a role as a book publisher, tried to get the rights to to publish in the United States. So how important was their research? Mm. Pretty fascinating. Um, but one of the things that they turned up was that there was a paperclip Nazi named Walter Dornberger 
who we had brought over here, and he was a very advanced scientist, and he became the head of Bell Aerospace, uh, which is also Bell Helicopter. Interestingly enough, in that report, they said, you know, well, the Oswalds lived with the Paynes, and Ruth Payne and Michael Payne in Dallas, and that's where Oswald was visiting back and forth. That's where they had the rifle and all the evidence to prove that Oswald was guilty. Well, interestingly enough, Dornberger was Michael Payne's boss. And so there was this uh, whole thing about Dornberger being brought into the United States by the CIA under paperclip and being basically a CIA asset at Bell Helicopter. And so... uh, the fact that Payne worked for Dornberger and that Oswald was at the Payne house is something that was in the Soviet report. Now, what's fascinating about this is you fast forward 50 years and we have Putin who is talking, you know, about the trouble with the United States, basically the deep state, without actually coming out and saying it. And he's saying, well, look, you know, they, um, they certainly, you know, it's certainly well known in America that there were intelligence forces involved in that assassination. He's hinting around, you know, you guys keep this game going of taking Russia down or hacking, uh, you know, Russia hacked the election. You keep that meme going and you try to take Trump down. I've got this information which links the CIA and Dornberger to the Kennedy assassination. Do you really want that to come out? That's what I was getting in their conversation. It was very subtle, but uh, it's an unusual thing, I think, for him to to pick up on and spit out. Interesting. And there was a book, um, The Nazi Connection to the uh, JFK Assassination, I believe was the title. It It was published back in 83. I'm fairly certain. Um, yeah. Yeah. There, and what's interesting about that is, you know, people would think, well, here we go with, with really, like, hardcore, you know, the Nazis. Well, the Nazis would have been beaten by then, and, you know, mm-hmm. what's the deal with that? But the truth is, um, the, paperclip, the paperclip assets were all CIA people. So the CIA, you know, brought them in and they, they controlled their actions and their movements. So whenever we get into where would an intelligence plot have originated in uh, Kennedy's death back 50 years ago, you know, you'd have to look to that element of the CIA that had access to people who were compromised, like these Nazis. So, you know, when you see those types of connections in that old Russian report, then you have to think to yourself, you know, why is Putin mentioning the Kennedy assassination? Let's just stop for a second. Biggest national interview that he's had, you know, in a long time. And he's facing all these issues, and he wants to talk about JFK. It struck me as very odd. Interesting. Yeah, odd indeed. Telling. Um, leverage, I guess. Is leverage, yeah. Leverage. I think that's right, yeah. I think he also wants to indicate that the same forces are active and that, you know, what they don't want, and there's always been a Russian aspect to this, interestingly enough, but, you know, think about why we would even have tension with Russia right now. It doesn't really make any sense. David Stockman loves to point out that their entire industry is what we have in New York City, you know, that they spend in a year what we spend in two weeks on defense, I mean, this is not a country that's a threat. So, you know, I think 
when we take a look at it and we say, well, you know, we don't have to agree with everything that these different leaders do. I'm not saying that Putin is the greatest leader by any chance, a stretch of the imagination. But I think there is something to this when we say, well, you know, Putin, here's a few things that our deep state doesn't like about him. He doesn't want to opt into the global digital currency. That's a problem. He doesn't, he wants to create his own swift uh, transaction processing. That's a problem. Uh, so, because he can go right outside of the central bank action. Um, so these are significant things. You know, he, he's banning GMOs. You know, you kind of get the impression that this guy is not very high on the deep states list because they can't do a lot of those consolidation moves uh, with him in there and being so powerful like he is. What's, what's the alternative? Um, I mean, yeah. what, what could yeah. possibly happen here at, at this point in, in your, in your view? Would we? I, I guess that that is to ask. Would we? Would we end up going head to head with them militarily, uh, Russia, U.S., Russia? Well, that was the plan uh, under Clinton, who they were really pushing at that point. You know, by well, they were telling us all that she was ten points ahead, and uh, you know, we all know how that turned out. She lost by over eighty electoral uh, votes. That's a lot. Um, so her whole plan was, you know, we can be actively engaged, and that's what the military-industrial complex wants at this point. Because um, I have brought this up before, but there's nuclear weapons that we have that we're modernizing, and Obama, he authorized a billion, uh, a trillion dollars for their renewal, but it wasn't received very well because we don't really have a Russian uh, nuclear enemy. We don't have any nuclear enemies, really. Um, and so if Russia's not a hot enemy, that is, you know, yes, they have nukes, okay. But renewing that whole class of weapons seems like a stretch. So then now they want to allocate another trillion on top of what Obama approved. And they need the, you know, you're going to need a real enemy for that. The, so I think they look at it as the deep state from this perspective. They think, well, we want Syria. That's one. And we want this Cold War 2.0 with Russia, or hot war. But whatever it is, you know, it's to weaken their position. As long as Russia's there supporting Syria, we're never going to get Syria the way that they want it. Right. And it's a huge problem anyway. I mean, it's starting to look like Berlin after 1945, you know. I think there's a certain point where you just stop, right? Um but I think what we're looking at there is Trump is the stopgap to all of this because it's not his objective. He's an America first guy. You know, National Association of Manufacturers, those are the people, that's the end of the deep state that backed him. It's got nothing to do with expansionist. That's the whole Bush global expansionist into Iraq, you know, threatening Iran and this whole thing. Um, you know, I think they, they're going to have enough issues with Iran Anyway, and I, I don't think that uh, when you look at the Iran situation, you know, it's, it's anything to take lightly. That's not what I'm saying. But my point is that when they look at it, when they look at this map, they look at it the same way that the neocons looked at it. And that's what the deep state is still engaged in. They still want wars. They want wars on the ground in the Middle East. That doesn't work uh, for America. Hmm. Okay, what I'm hearing you saying, and I'll kick, kick it over to you, Joe. What I'm hearing you say is that um, the plan was with Hillary to go toe-to-toe with Russia. Uh, President Donald Trump had bought us some time, or, or at least threw a monkey wrench into that plan 
and here we are today. Uh, yes. I, I, yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Joe. No, and, and there. I mean, I, I do agree that you know, with the ending of the Cold War and the and the falling, collapsing of the USSR, Putin has been. Uh, he has come out of that and, and took the country out of that economically, mm-hmm. and the the political ideology has changed in Russia, and they do seem to be on par with our the same ideals we have. And Putin seems to be more of a, of a Christian leader uh, in many regards than even our own leadership here in the U.S. But one mm-hmm. area where I see, aside from the, the arena of politics where we could run into problems with Russia, is with these other nations. And when you talked about Russia not wanting to be part of you know, a new world order uh, digital currency, they also uh, look at the U.S. and the West and their encroachment with NATO and, and uh, the conflicts between North Korea, Iran, and Syria. Russia's always on the other side of that, trying to mm-hmm. to hold out, I believe. you know, One thing this new world order can't do is they can't implement this globally, their plans, if every nation is not on board. And there are still, as much as we don't like North Korea or Iran, these are still holdouts to this new world order agenda. And Russia always seems to side with these countries militarily. So yes. The one area where we could run into conflict is if we... Uh, go into a war as a, you know, being the New World Order's army to force these nations into submission, then I believe we could run into some real problems with Russia uh, militarily. But other than that, I can't see, I don't see a direct engagement starting a war between the U.S. and Russia. Just a, if it does happen, I believe it would be a well, result it's, it's of It's already by proxy. Right. But, but you're, yeah, you're right. I certainly hope not, <laughs> for sure. And I, you make an excellent point, actually, which is that. With the global digital currency, if everyone's not in, nobody's in. doesn't work that way. You can't have half the world in it because of the nature of the beast. But I will tell you that there's a hidden aspect to the Russia, anti-Russia push, and it's the secret space program. Because Russia has a very advanced space program. They always have. We know that they've been uh, big competitors with us in this department China and India have their own space programs now, which makes things different, but Russia really is advanced. Now, um, the secret space program, I'll just do a quick update on this. There's, uh, there's the NASA hacker, Gary McKinnon, who in 2002, he was looking for UFO information in NASA. But what he found instead was even stranger. He found an off-world officer's list, and it was a fleet so just like you'd find military uh, records for officers who were in the Navy or uh, in the Marines, these guys operated in outer space. They weren't astronauts. They were an actual off-world officers list. Um, and it alluded to a much bigger infrastructure in space than you know we're aware of publicly, that we were putting a lot more resources out there. Now, um, there are a lot of private resources going into space right now, um, you know, like Bigelow Airspace and uh, SpaceX and things like that. And the idea is uh, to corner the market on asteroid mining and space tourism and things along this line. But um, strangely enough, the same week <laughs> that Putin has his weird interview with Megyn Kelly, Bigelow from Bigelow Airspace comes out on 60 Minutes and says, there is alien life, and they've been visiting here, which is a very unusual thing for a corporate CEO to say, even if he's a corporate CEO of a, you know, a mega space corporation. 
Um, so I thought that was strange right off the bat. But anyway, getting back to McKinnon, he basically uh, gave such testimony on this list that we try to extradite him from London to prosecute him for 70 years. So um, they really did not want his information coming out. Now, they had a defense in McKinnon's case that he has Asperger's, and so they couldn't get him out. But um, as it turned out, they they tried multiple times. They have temporarily given up, but if he moves anywhere outside of the U.K., they're going to grab him. Um, so his information led to a lot of speculation about this, and a huge research effort was done around the secret space program. And these people found things of huge amounts of money being pumped into these space operations, all the while NASA and their budget was going down to uh, pre-1965 levels. So there's a great discrepancy there. Now, uh, you're familiar with the former assistant HUD secretary, Catherine Austin Fitz. Yes, mm-hmm. and you've done a lot, a lot of uh, uh, programs with her as well. Yes. Well, she, I mean, you know, I always call it Solari University because if you're going to learn things, you're going to learn it from Catherine. And, uh, <laughs> you know, having been on Wall Street and the government, uh, she knows both. But um, one of the things that she points out, and I think it's very interesting, which is that there are trillions missing from the federal budget. And they're not accounted for. And, um, you know, the figure is officially, is unofficially much higher, but the official figure is 6.5 trillion. Um, she looks more around 20 trillion for what's missing from the budget. And the question is, where does it go? And, you know, there's only so many luxury homes and, uh, you know, fancy sports cars you can buy. Where does this incredible amount of money go? And she uh, thinks that that is where the secret space program comes in, that they are filtering a lot of this money off and building a massive infrastructure in space. And, uh, you know, we, we already have suborbital platforms controlling cell phones and GPS and all that kind of stuff. So we know about a certain amount of the visible investment in space. This other side, the secret space program, is a whole different matter. And there's a lot of disinformation around it. I'm, I'm just finishing up a series called New Age Deep State. And um, those episodes talk a lot about this obfuscation effort. You know, and, and what you have is, you know, there are all these solid researchers who have done research into the numbers around the secret space program. They've talked about the government officials involved with it, et cetera. And then once in a while, these characters come out of the woodwork and say, hey, I was part of the secret space program, don't you know? And they're easy to discredit because, you know, they're just making a story up or whatever. But they're unusually marketed. Like, they, they get into the space, and there's somebody's op. And the idea is keep this topic of the secret space program off in somebody's loony bin. <laughs> and uh, they, they do a pretty good job of it, but I've... I've um, I've done reports on the backgrounds of people who come forward like this, and strangely enough, often they don't have any background at all. It's, it's very hard to track them down. And they, they literally seem like they're under my control. So um, I think this is a hot area to watch because the secret space program is something that connects to the missing trillions, and those are two areas where they just don't want you to, to get into it. This is where the media comes in so handy um, because 
it's easy around this topic to point, instead of pointing to like the solid research of somebody like Fitz, they'll point to this guy who comes out and says, oh yeah, you know, I've been to Mars or in this program or whatever. And so there's that sensationalist aspect to discredit it and people blow it off. But um, believe you, uh, believe me, from the research that I've done on it, it, it is a real program. And, and it, correct me if I'm wrong here, but as you describe this, and as presented on your website, darkjournalist.com, this involves uh, uh, everything from our surveillance state currently, uh, CERN, the black budget, as you just pointed out. I mean, all of this together is is what uh, comprises the, uh, the secret space program. Is that it does. It, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're all different aspects of it. Um and one of the, the ways to connect them is this idea of a breakaway civilization because um, the breakaway civilization idea comes from this fact that there's advanced technology that the public's not aware of and that it's in use already. It's active and in use. Very often, like a project like CERN, uh, you know, it's unusual. It's, it's a little abstract for the regular guy to even imagine, you know, like, okay, they're smashing particles together for scientific experiments. Okay, whatever, big deal. But um, what actually happens is our solar resonance has major trouble when CERN is turned on. So that thing is so powerful that it is it has planetary impact when they do their experiments. It's not, um, you know, somebody's lab somewhere and hope for the best. This thing actually messes with the magnetic field around the entire globe. So um, hmm. a few other weird things about CERN, it's got a $6 billion budget. That's a defense budget. You don't get scientific projects with that kind of money behind them. Um, now, there are a group of concerned scientists, and I, I talked to these guys. Uh, one of them's in Hawaii. And he sent letters um, to all these different institutes and the National Academy of Scientists, international groups, saying that that thing is very unhealthy for the Earth's gravitational field. And he took them to court, and what he found out, oddly enough, was that CERN was a sovereign entity. It's not, you know, it's like trying to sue a country. Really? That's the first time we've heard this. Yeah, and we've done a lot of shows on wow. CERN, but yeah. no one has ever spoken to the sovereignty of CERN as a a political or or governing body. You're not talking just like a corporate entity. You're talking about a, like the Vatican, a, how the Vatican yeah. is. Yes, exactly. Country, basically, CERN is a sovereign entity. That's what they found out when they went to sue it. <laughs> wow. And uh, there was and the the judge said, you know, you're going to have to get them to agree based on their own rules to work this out in a court of international law with you because there's no way someone can come in from the outside and sue these guys because it's like trying to sue the country of Sweden or something. So um, that's a very unusual setup. So how did they get to be like this? Uh, you know, you're in the middle of uh, Geneva and you're this massive project, $6 billion project, you're smashing particles, and, you know, it's basically a gigantic weapons test because if it has that much of an effect on the atmosphere when they do the tests, 
um, which is verified. I mean, people have there's there's a good deal of research showing what happens when it's turned on versus when it's not turned on. And um, one of the things floating around about CERN, and you guys have done some great shows on CERN, so you probably know this, but uh, I'll say it anyway, which uh, is they have a byproduct. Uh, there's a hazard, hazardous byproduct potential from CERN, which is called a strangelet. And, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're familiar with this. And now, I'm not saying that something like a strangelet, you know, the, the odds of it producing the types of effects that could happen with it, which would basically be to open up a massive black hole, uh, the odds are slim. There's no question about it. However, again, you had a group of 52 serious scientists who uh, went to CERN and said, this is a possibility. Why aren't you addressing this? And CERN uh, and the you know the group controlling CERN blew them off for a good while, and then finally they said, okay, yes, you're right, it is a potential side effect, but the odds are so slim, you know, just forget about it. Now, um, so they were forced in a corner by these scientists, but you see the kind of action it takes to get any kind of transparency about what that project is all about. And uh, absolutely. Besides, who who's going to complain after that happens anyway? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that aside, uh, very interesting, very, very informative with respect to CERN and the integration of the, the black budget. The, you're right. I mean, six point five billion. You are talking defense level and then, uh, spending. Well, you know, when we look that. at the Pentagon, yeah. I forget what over the last fifteen years, over eleven trillion dollars has gone missing. Then you have the the black budgets. Uh, you know, from the one aspect is the, the drugs that are brought back in from Afghanistan and other places. And all this money has to go somewhere. So whether it's secret space programs or, you know, secret weapons programs or being funneled into CERN, um, these people, I believe, have an endless budget based by, on their, on their silent backers and partners. Yeah, but, 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 um, Daniel, yeah. to what end? With, with respect to CERN, to what end? What's the objective here? Uh, we, although we've talked about it, we've gotten numerous answers to that question. But in your view, what's the objective here with with CERN? There's no, there's no question. It is to get information on other dimensions, and uh, there are people who ascribe different things for why they're doing that, and they they have different reasons for why they're doing that. What I see, you go ahead, Daniel. If I could jump in real quick uh, before I, I forget this, the you know a, a lot of people focus with CERN on how they're trying to open portals, uh, influence and and you know retrieve information or send information to other dimensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I wonder is how much of this is being done in order to manipulate and affect our dimension. And the reason I say that is because. Uh, just look at, we'll take climate change as an example. We saw this huge blowback from all these nations over Trump pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord. And, and let's look at the, the mark of the beast, uh, for instance, the tribulation end times mark of the beast system. And we'll say climate change is the driver of that vehicle somehow, where they are going to, you know, implement this, uh, new economy. Uh, we'll say they're basing it on, on climate change or some kind of climate agreement that brings us all home. And then, you know, you have CERN there, and if CERN, I mean, what good is CERN if it's just uh, finding other dimensions or opening portals unless there is something that is going to be done to manipulate and change 
our perception or our this dimension either some mock alien invasion uh, or opening portals to your time practical application. No, absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, it it could be the 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 game changer when you have everything in place. CERN can be that wild card, well, wild card in our eyes, but the you know the the hammer that drives the nail in to this end times agenda, whatever role it plays. But I, I just wanted to, I mean, I, I, everybody talks about CERN as, as being able to, you know, get into these other dimensions and opening portals. But I wonder what, you know, how much of those effects does it have on, on manipulating and changing our uh, real time reality in, in this dimension? Uh, those are great questions, actually. You make a good point, too, that when you look at CERN, you can see into it almost anything you want to because the nature of the mystery of what it is. Um, I think Here's a few facts on the ground about CERN. We talked about their budget. CERN is the biggest user of the Internet. So, you know, they use the Internet more most than... Most bandwidth or... Yeah, they, they actually, because of the amount of equations that it generates and then it has to send to different scientific institutions that are covering the data, it becomes the biggest user of the Internet, period. Um, it, you would think that people in regular everyday life would be aware of it more because of the, you know, the incredible... Uh, things involved with it when you think of it this way. In terms of the dimensional aspect, you know, um, I do think that there's an experiment to uh, basically play with the medium. In physics, what you would do is, um, well, a long story short on this, in physics, the, the idea of you observing something changes it. So, um, yeah. So the idea that, you know, you hear about things like the Mandela effect and all these types of things that kick in and people say, well, I seem to remember that differently. You know, this song from 1998, the lyrics are completely different. And uh, I always think when that comes up, aside from the fact that people sometimes have faulty memories and I can appreciate it, but um, I do think that playing with the medium of reality itself could be a function of the testing that they're doing with that. And... uh the reason I think that is because when you get into dimensional realities, you are, you know, you alter everything from the timelines and, you know, so the, the thinking on it gets very heavy. But I would say whatever it is, it's not just a particle smasher. And I think that that's important. And uh, we do have smaller versions of CERN. One of them's in Long Island uh, here in America. And they're atom smashers, too, um, on a much smaller level. Yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned uh, how uh, in, in physics sometimes the behavior of, of certain atoms or particles changes when they are observed. I watched a, a YouTube video that, that documented this, and it was how light reacts. I believe it was our light or sound, how sound reacts when it's observed. And the, the, uh, they did the experiments, you know, when I'm not exactly sure how the, the method was done, but they have the videos up there, and, you, and folks can find this on YouTube uh, by just doing a little searching. But it, that's fascinating to me. You know, it is. These, these elements or particles act differently when uh, human eyes or eyes are on it versus when it Your is. Your mama's watching. <laughs> no, it's just strange, <laughs> though, to see it react one way, and then by the presence of, of humans, it reacts a completely different way, and they document it all. But they can't figure out, other than, you know, it being observed, why there would be the, those changes. And I think that does speak to the nature of our reality in some ways. 
Uh, it's an excellent point, actually. You're making a really good point. There's, um, well, the guy who coined the term the breakaway civilization is Rich Dolan. And, uh, Dolan studied Cold War histories, but, and he studied the UFO phenomena as a result of the Cold War secrecy around it. And one of the things that he pointed out was that you, um, once in a while, this breakaway civilization that has, you know, advanced technology and advanced science and advanced medicine, they have to work in the open in our reality. You can't do something like CERN underground. So you have to create a, a, a like a pretext, basically, for this gigantic project so that everyone thinks of it as something else. Well, <laughs> right under our nose, it's, it's made for, built for an entirely different purpose. Um, so the breakaway civilization, rather than being this kind of, you know, mythical idea of like, oh, there's some civilization out there, this is very simple. At a certain point, a, a particular group that had access to advanced technology decided not to share their findings so that, you know, the way that science works, if you and I are, are in there working on something and I get a breakthrough, if I don't share that with you, your level of science is going to continue down a particular line. So the breakaway civilization idea um, just means that there's a small elite group that would work with the higher technology. They get access to things um, you know, like age extension technologies. They get access to things like advanced medicine. They understand what the secret space program's all about. And, you know, rather than setting it up as a boogeyman, I, I'm looking at it more as like, these are corporate guys, you know? I, you just think about like Jeff Bezos or um, Richard Branson. They They like to have the edge. And so the idea of a small group that is controlling vast technology and, you know, we get into subjects like UFOs. UFOs come up all the time in my work. Even if I wanted to ignore them, I, I couldn't. It's a fascinating subject. But they're always coming up because there's always a UFO aspect coming in. Where is that being generated from? You know, like, let's just temporarily leave the idea of an off-world civilization off the table. Where are all the UFOs coming from? So, yeah. you know, this this idea of a breakaway civilization, I think, helps to get some answers going if they're building a larger infrastructure in space, if there's a lot of money missing from the federal budget, you get somebody like Catherine Fitz doing investigations and her targets are somewhere around $20 trillion for this. So that space economy is one thing, but the secret space economy, something totally different. And I do believe, and I know many people believe this to be the case that these space programs, that the, the military and or government have far more complex space programs than we believe. And I, and I do believe a lot of the... So when we talk about UFOs, uh, many people get in their mind about aliens from other planets. Mm -hmm. Never do they think of the, the spiritual aspects, but uh, if you remove the spiritual aspect from, from many of the UFO sightings, that really only leaves you know, governments and, and secret technology made by humans or in part by humans, maybe fallen angel technology, but uh, one thing I've noticed is you see a lot of uh, people have been reporting a lot of strange military vehicles in the same time periods as these UFO sightings, and it, that's always been you know if you look at shows like the X Files and throughout well, history, it's kind of right. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, was, yeah, we only have a minute left, Daniel. I just looked at the clock. Um, any <laughs> any final thoughts? Anything you want to say before we let you go? <laughs> well, since we're getting we're tripping into so many interesting subjects here. Uh, 
I'll mention the Phoenix Lights then, and we'll end on that note, which is the Phoenix Lights is a good, solid UFO story for people to look up. Uh, here is a craft that sat over Phoenix, people taking video of it, uh, the governor himself coming forward and saying, I saw it, it was gigantic. Nobody knows what the Phoenix Lights uh, were all about, but if we have that kind of technology, then certainly uh, a secret space program or a breakaway civilization is very plausible. If that thing came from somewhere else, uh, then I, I would say we, we have a rather big problem. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Folks, Dark Journalist, darkjournalist.com, subscribe. Subscribe to his content. Become a member there now. It's a great deal. Um, you, you can't beat the content. And, and the what you just heard, this is just a sampling of what you just, I mean, it's fantastic. And Daniel, for, thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining and, us tonight. And we will definitely have you back on in the near future. And you keep up the good work. And we're going to have to like, your time. clear out an entire day for him. Like, <laughs> yeah, we, could, we could do a three hour show easily. Yeah. You guys, you guys have a great night. Th- thank you, sir. You God too, bless you, my friend. All right, folks, we are up against our network break. When we come back, uh, Melissa, the honeybee, Melissa Zachariah, coming up after this. Greenovative. Go to HagmanReport.com. Click on the link to Greenovative. What Greenovative is, it's a small company in Florida. They created something called the GMAG Power Cell. It produces electricity by adding salt water to this unit that recharges rechargeable batteries. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see in your life. It's really neat. Really a, a super device. All right? You need just two teaspoons of ordinary table salt, a little water, but a bang, you're charging your rechargeable batteries. Super GMAG chargeable is affordable. It's lightweight, weighs about eight ounces. It's durable. It's EMP proof, and it's environmentally friendly. Yeah, that it is. It'll provide safe and convenient power for recharging uh, six AA batteries off the grid when other power sources aren't available anywhere, anytime, in any weather, day or night. Go to greenovative.com. That's greenovative.com folks, in these uncertain times, it just makes sense to have a sustainable backup method for accomplishing one of life's most important tasks, that's preparing food. This is the way to go. There is nothing better than a Minuteman rocket stove from MinutemanStove.com. We all need a way to cook and a method to process water. I mean, think about it. Think about the many things that could happen to you. A Minuteman rocket stove can provide your family or group the perfect solution. It's small, lightweight, wood-burning, and every bit as powerful as a kitchen stove. It's smoke fully self-contained for clean storage and transport. Because it's so efficient, it cuts down on your wood gathering and processing chores to a tenth what would be required if cooking the old-fashioned way over an open fire. So don't rely on gas or fuel stoves. Prepare your family. Prepare for yourself. Order a Minuteman rocket stove today. It's going to make bad times much better. Folks, MinutemanStove.com. MinutemanStove.com. Need I say more? You should have a Minuteman, the survival stove in an M.O.K. 
For investors, timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime, valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Consider visiting our forest plantations. Qualified accredited investors should go to PreciousTimberProfits.com or dial 855-888-6288 for more information. Call 855-888-6288 or visit PreciousTimberProfits.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 PreciousTimberProfits.com Precious Welcome to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report, HagmanReport.com. Folks, check it out. There, Liz Croken has an article exclusive to the Hagman Report. Uh, HagmanReport.com, check out Liz's article, which does dovetail into this guest, our next guest. We're so very honored to have with us um, Melissa Zachariah, also known as the Honeybee, she, who's an in, in, independent investigator, citizen journalist. She shares research and techniques on how to connect the dots regarding government scandals, cover-ups, and abuse of power. Her most prominent investigative work involves child abuse and exploitation. It's one of the subjects that we care a lot about, we speak a lot about, and of course, uh, this guest, Melissa, is the it, Honeybee is the a go-to person for this. Go ahead, Joe. I'm wondering, I'm looking at now, is it Zach, Zachariah or Zachariah? Zachar- Zachariah. 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 It, Zachariah. It, it, okay. I get both. It's fine. Zachariah is how you say it. So. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Well, come on in and uh, th- th- thank you so very much for joining us. We, uh, y- Your work is impeccable and your work with respect to uh, uh, your prominent investigative work with regard to the child ex- exploitation, abuse, and uh, uh, pedophilia, sex trafficking. It's unbelievable what, you, what you're doing. So thank you for that. Uh, let's just jump right in and uh, let's, let's get started here. Well, I don't want to waste a second of time um, unnecessarily. Where do you want to start? So I, I just want to say how um, for me it's just a very passionate thing. I, I started doing it because I just couldn't believe that this was going on, and I've been you know I've been a conspiracy theory person you know my whole life, and I've always looked into these these things. You know I was very interested in the McMartin preschool case, in the, mm-hmm. the West Memphis Three. Um, you know these are you know quote allegations never ever proved, but nobody really likes to talk about you know the. Ponchatoula case, you know, where there were arrests and convictions of satanic ritual abuse at the Hosanna Church School, where um, many children were actually abused and people were put to jail. But you don't see that when you go to the Wikipedia and you look up these these terms. Um, It's just fascinating to me. And then when Pizzagate came out, um, because I was already looking at the Pedogate situation. Pedogate is like the main 
umbrella of the, the, the sexual exploitation of children in the highest echelons of our government to the lower levels, you know, uh, the poverty and, and child welfare and things like that with children being prostitutes and things like that. There's so many layers of this, but when Pizzagate came out, it just put it all in the spotlight. And I was just really interested in kind of going with that wave. And it really took me up. I mean, I, I'm very new at content creation. I've only been doing this for about four or five months. And um, the the actual reaction that I've gotten from subscribers and people that want to hear about this and they follow my research and the, you know, the details that I try to, to show them, they're loving it. It, it, not loving it in a good way, but like they want to hear about it because it's so censored and suppressed in our media. They know what's going on. They can see the proof of it happening, but there's just something missing there. Somebody doesn't want us talking about it on the mainstream. It's, it's an amazing thing, the blowback that, that we have received and continue to receive when we speak about uh, uh, what is known as Pizzagate, for example. Uh, now, there are a lot of misconceptions about Pizzagate, a lot of misinformation, disinformation out there, intentional, deliberate. But having said that, it's a real thing. And by the way, uh, Melissa is the founder of something called Napalm, which is the Boston con- uh, contact for Our Children Matter. Uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, yes, this is people, I really think. Melissa, I really believe that people don't want to address this, or it's it's so uncomfortable to talk about, but it's so necessary. Yeah, I think people put the blinders on. Um, it's a paradigm smashing uh, realization um, when you start to look at the evidence and you you see things that you can't really unsee, um, and it changes you. It changes your your thinking about things. Everything is. You know, I mean, I, I've seen CP on platforms, web platforms, without even looking for it, just stumbled upon it and had to deal with the FBI and had to deal with the NCMEC, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Um, these are things that, that scar you for life, and you just become a warrior. And that's how I started this whole Napalm project. Um, it just started with me. I mean, I was just doing this already, and I figured, you know what, we need to start uh, pushing this out to other people that are interested in, in actually taking this on and fighting it, you know, actively going out and attacking this problem. You know what, folks? Melissa is one person that we can hold up and say, here is an example of one person making a difference of doing things and doing things effectively. And, I, and again, our thanks to you um, for everything you do. Uh, so, so exactly what is the Napalm Initiative, if you want to explain that a little bit. Sure. Napalm stands stands for Nations Against Pedophile Advocated Legislation and Mobilization. So those two terms, the legislation and the mobilization, are very important because it kind of puts a target on a certain uh, sort of group of people that are interested in legislating rights for pedosexual, pedophilic, um, you know, rights to have sex with children. Um, it also is the mobilization um, that's an issue with them starting to organize and create websites and uh, plan, you know, rallies and, and try to tag on to the LGBT community, which they're not having that. I mean, I wouldn't be in this pride parade 
tomorrow um, if we weren't there for drawing a line. Um, you know, we're going to the Pride Parade tomorrow to march, but we're not, you know, there to tote the flag of happiness of Pride. We're there to draw the line from pedophiles actually infiltrating into this um, this movement. So. The biggest thing that is is important in this whole project is the actual attacking. So most of my attacking is happening, you know, via Internet. I'm not going out and trying to hurt people physically. That's not what we want to do. Um, the name is is sort of militant, and it's a little scary to see, but we want that to be scary because, uh, you know, you have your, your activist groups like Antifa and BAM. You know, they're out there, and they're antagonizing, and they're, they're being a pain uh, to people that are trying to get their message. So I want to be that against these pedophile advocacy groups that are trying to lower the age of consent and gain rights and, and acceptance uh, and normalization in our in our country and all over the world. So attacking sites, bringing profiles down, constantly reporting them to the FBI, to the web platforms. You know, this is a daily thing that I do, and it's a lot of work. And I've had a few successes, but I need I need an army for this. This is very important that we all start taking an active hand in, in getting these profiles and and websites taken down, as well as going and being an activist against it as well. Um. Melissa, uh, before we we get too far into the interview, can you tell our audience where they can find you on social media? I know you have a huge social media presence. Sure. Uh, I'm on YouTube as The Honeybee, so you can just go to www.youtube.com slash C as in cat, slash the honeybee, and you'll get right to my YouTube page. Um, you can also find me on Facebook. It's uh, Facebook slash the honeybee page. And I'm probably most active on Twitter. I mean, I'm really on there every day trying to fight this stuff because, unfortunately, a lot of these people, these, you know, pedophile, incest, and bestiality kind of people, they hang out on Twitter, and they're pushing their agenda. So we are constantly battling with them. So you can find me on Twitter, uh, you know, twitter.com slash uh, thehoneybee underscore, and then also at napalm underscore USA. And you can right. follow me. We, we will have links uh, to, to your uh, all of your sites, all of your uh, portals in and our description. In the, uh, in the Hagman Report write-up for the show. We're going to have we something will... independent, too, tomorrow, yeah, yeah. coming out tomorrow. And, Melissa, uh, t- t- talk to us, if you don't mind, uh, what's going on tomorrow specifically. Uh, oh, b- before you do, I just want to notify our audience that there's going to be a Hagman Report lightning roundtable with Melissa, the sawman, uh, Craig Sawyer who we met in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, or I guess last month now, in Liz Crokin, Wednesday, June 14th, uh, which is going to be fabulous. But, but let's talk about tomorrow, your initiative tomorrow, and if people want to be involved in that, can they? is there still time? And Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's still time to do it anywhere you are. Um, the, the march is called the uh, Our Children Matter 50 States March, and it is just inviting the whole country, anywhere you are, anywhere you live. It doesn't need to be organized. It could be just you with a sign or a pamphlet you can download off of ourchildrenmatter.net. Some information about the Pedogate situation, the Pizzagate investigation that's not happening. Um, In Boston, we're really pushing on a lot of different levels there with the CPS 
and NCMEC corruption, along with um, you know the pedophile advocacy groups and whatnot that I, I'm dealing with. So at the march tomorrow, you know we have maybe about 15 to 20 people coming, but after tonight, hopefully we'll have more. It's in Boston, down in Copley Square, and we're going to be marching in the Boston Pride Parade. Uh, also because there's going to be 75,000 people there, and that's a great place for us to start spreading the word and get the information out. We have lots of pamphlets. We have a great, beautiful banner that I got made from the donations from our donation page on You Caring, and um, we're really excited to be there. Um, I think that if you want to do something, um, go to ourchildrenmatter.net and open up that little map. It'll tell you the nearest uh, march near you. You don't even have to email anybody. Like I said, just go. Um, find out what time it's going on right on that website. If you feel compelled, there's emails there to reach the organizers and uh, be a part of it. And if you can't, donate to, to my march. Donate to someone else that has a a march that's up there. You can find all that information on that webpage. Um, but I think it's important that we all uh, start taking initiative and in, in trying to get this information out. And and folks, hopefully you can see when when we when we had talked about our new mandate, we are becoming more and more proactive, and we are infiltrating using our investigative assets and infiltrating groups and uh, assisting in. Uh, these types of events. Also, you know, having Craig Sawyer and Liz Croak and, and uh, Melissa uh, together, I'll, I'll tell you, this is a force multiplier. And as we gain steam and momentum, I, I can I can guarantee you we're going to have these people on the run. I would urge everyone to support Melissa. Again, we will be having the, um, and we already do have uh, the links in our program description for tonight, but a separate standalone uh, article for tomorrow, uh, even before the march. But, Melissa, uh, CPS, Child Protective Services, mm-hmm. cor- corruption out, out, the, out, out the wazoo, I guess. Um, children pro- prostituted, abused. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that, if that's, if that's a natural segue at this point. Absolutely. So, you know, we started seeing this uh, lifting of the veil when Trump came into the presidency, and I think that has a lot to do with him uh, really wanting to push um, to, to look at this and to force people to look at this problem. So, you know, when that, that first bust that was very little pu- publicized, there was like absolutely no news stories about it in L.A., that 474 uh people that were arrested in that that sex trafficking ring um and many of those were kids so um i had i had been following that since the moment it came out because i had been trolling google you know by the minute to see new cases because my my material is based on very current you know uh convictions of of government officials military personnel police personnel so i just had it popped on my screen and it was a very new article and they implicated DCF in being in charge of the kids that were actually involved in the sex trafficking. So they took the kids out of the care of DCF and put them in other non-government funded agencies to be cared for. Now, there's little to nothing about that case anymore. I have called the sheriff's department over there in L.A. a number of times, and I am not able to get any information about it. I'm going to have to file a Freedom of Information Act request uh, to get some information. So that being said, looking at the, you know, the huge 
government connection to this. If you look at the United States Department of Health and Human Services, this is the huge uh, cabinet, you know, um, government agency of the federal government that oversees everything, Um, not just, you know, the health and education. It goes even further into the Food and Drug Administration. And they are in charge of the administration for children and families. Now, these are two big government agencies that um, they have millions and billions of dollars um, are, are flowing through these, these industries uh, every year. Um, and a, a big hot ticket item for them is the Child Protective Services. Because it's a little-known fact, um, and there have been people that have been killed, uh, i.e. Nancy Schaefer, um, who have discovered the money-making uh, and profits that come out of um, pulling kids out of homes and putting them into the state's care. Uh, you're talking thousands of dollars when a child is taken from a home. Um, you're talking thousands of dollars when they drug test parents. There, there are these for-profit, you know, contractors that work within the government that they provide these little services for. So you're racking up ten, twenty thousand dollars for all these little things for one kid being taken out of a home. And, you know, I think that it's great that there are people looking out for kids, but we have seen through the work of Nancy Schaefer and also uh Mr. Morales, um he wrote the book, Carlos Morales, he wrote the book um, Le- Le- uh, Legally Kidnapped, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, he worked for CPS himself, and he's a whistleblower. Nancy Schaefer, she went over the numbers. She looked into, you know, where is the money? Where, where is it going? Who is who is funding all this stuff? Who is making the money off of these kids? So that's why we're seeing, um, you know, kids disappearing, um, and then they're kind of... Like in this one situation, I have this child that disappeared four times, and I'm working with, uh, you know, another two researchers on trying to actually figure out if this girl is missing or if she's in a sex trafficking situation. She's been in the system her whole life. Her mother was killed by gunshot accident. Her uncle and her father are MIA. Uh, she's now 20 years old, but the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and the uh, Catholic Charities have been saying she's been missing over the last four years. So every few months, there's a new posting of her missing. Um, she is active on Facebook, uh, so we're not sure if she's like for sale or do you know what I'm saying? Like there's just all this crazy stuff that you know you have the government agencies involved. But yet you have these strange stories, um, you know, of sex trafficking, people making money off of these kids. You know, I'm not even going to get into, you know, the Laura Silsby bringing up kids from, you know, places did with with these tragedies, these natural disasters, and like these kids are just left for for the picking. Do you know what I mean? So this is like a larger. Problem that I don't think people can actually wrap their heads around. That's what I'm saying. And, 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 yeah, and, and WikiLeaks uh, exposed the connection between Silsby and, of course, Clinton, uh, the Clinton Foundation, and we all know where that head where that's headed. So we talk uh, about uh, the is- Islamic uh, influence that continues to, to to gain in this country and in the Middle East uh, as some of the regular practices, cultural practices over there. You have families who actually boys. sell their yep. uh, their oh, children yeah. into not only arranged marriage type situations, but into sex trafficking. And you know it is it is legal in, in some 
uh, countries over there. And that's just another aspect when we talk about, you know, the, this Muslim in, uh, invasion of the West, this Islamic invasion, you know, from the genital mutilations to uh, the the marriage of, of children and, right. and sex slaves. That, that's a huge component of uh, this belief system. And, you know, we see that bleeding over into to our um, hemisphere. And not only that, we're welcoming it in. But you, uh, Melissa, you were talking about investigations and uh, Seth Rich popped to mind. Um, we've seen kind of a slowdown uh, from the past few weeks where we saw this story you know, gain traction all throughout the alternative media. We know it's the mainstream media's favorite topic. Um, right. But here we have this... Uh, investigation or uh, I believe they're they're still you know the case might be closed in the eyes of the police they won't come out and say that but we have Seth Rich who is the DNC staffer murdered uh, it's been said and, and there's corroborating evidence that he was the uh, somebody who leaked the the DNC emails or Podesta emails to WikiLeaks mm-hmm. and it, they said it was an attempted robbery only nothing's been taken what are your thoughts on on the Seth Rich investigation and so- the whole situation yeah, I mean, it is, um, it's quite a fascinating case because there's just so many unknowns for us, um, in, in a media that's always trying to answer the question, uh, to spoon feed us the information. And, you know, they're just leaving us hanging with this, uh, you know, robbery. <laughs> you know, there was no robbery. There was no money taken. There was no, there's, you know, this, this person was taken out. And this whole thing with, um, Kim.com is very interesting to me uh, because he had predicted back in 2015 that Hillary Clinton was going to fall in, two, in 2016. And he, he had an interview with a woman um, and was very, very open about that. And she kept trying to push why, why. And he just said, I have, I have intel and I can't talk about it. Um, and then, you know, very shortly after that, the United States went after Mega Upload, his billion dollar company. And now the United States kind of owns his company. There's like this whole legal battle going on. So, you know, they attack you in the wallet and then, you know, or they kill you. <laughs> so in this case with Seth, Seth Rich, you know, you have Kim.com saying, I have evidence that, that Seth had these files and we talked about it. I am willing to testify um, in front of in front of the Congress uh, and, and prove to you that he is the one that leaked the documents. And then you look at Ju- Julian Assange. You know, when he was pushed about asking about the details of Seth Rich, he was very uncomfortable. It's like the first time I actually saw him uh, kind of stutter and, like, skip over his words uh, because I think he wanted a, his audience to kind of know that it was Seth Rich. I think that's why he fumbled was because he wanted us to know um, that it was him and that this was a, a crime, um, a huge crime. So uh, I am, I'm hoping that... You know, there are files that will be released. Maybe WikiLeaks has more information. Um, you know, if he, if he saw something and it was that bad and somebody wanted to kill him, I can just, I can just imagine what, what, what he saw. And I'm sure it goes far beyond, uh, some, you know, voting machine fraud. You know, he was already privy to that from the beginning. But to actually go to Julian Assange or whoever and, and try to give files, I mean, there must have been something real bad. Real bad on there. So, yeah, you know, I, there's a whole bunch of red flags from the the Sethrich situation, from the uh, the laptop to the the ties to the way. Well, what really gets me is the fact that this is an unsolved homicide with no leads whatsoever, and mm-hmm. the police and the mainstream media and the family 
are already closing one of the angles of inv- or, uh, a big angle of investigation, which is the WikiLeaks, uh, the ties to the DNC, the WikiLeaks, and, and if that could have led to the, the cause of, of the attack. But they won't even uh, entertain this thought, and they basically uh, call you a conspiracy theorist now. And if you do uh, bring this angle up, and then they continue to say that that is debunked in the 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 way the media reacted to this is what gave me you know. The and if I can just punch in Joe real quick here, and, and Melissa, uh, I have a contact within the MPD uh, venue. Who said this? This case, with respect to Seth Rich, was never ever opened. Keyword there: opened as a robber or a botched robbery or attempted uh, robbery. It was never opened under that classification. Just as an FYI. So, and uh, Melissa, we have uh, about two and a half minutes left before the end of the segment. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to get into in the remaining time? Um, yeah, I just wanted to actually, you know, to, to put you on a, <laughs> to, to leave you hanging. Um, I'm working with this fascinating woman who approached me. Um, she <clears throat> is telling me that her, her husband, her ex-husband, was a high-level child pornographer. And she... She sent me all of her her credentials and ways to look her up, and I have my ways of, of finding information about people. And when I saw her criminal record, I almost fell off my chair. And I was like, "Listen, lady, I don't know who you are, but it sounds like you're either like <laughs> supposed to be in jail or you're James Bond. Like I don't know what's going on." And then she just un- unraveled this story. She used to be a private investigator, and she her story is just absolutely amazing. And I am working with her closely to share her story. Um, in sort of a documentary kind of way because I just, I could talk to this woman for days, uh, the story she could share with me. And she provides some pretty good evidence here. So that's one thing I want you guys to, to look, keep looking out for. That This is kind of a big deal, and I'm really excited to be working with her. Um, I can't really put her name out there yet. I have to talk to her about how she wants to be presented, um, but that is on the way. Okay. Um that's very interesting. Can you give the the details out again for the the Our Children Matter event yeah, one more that's, time. that's going on tomorrow? Yeah, sure thing. So tomorrow, um, you know, if you're in the Boston area, come or anywhere in New England, if you can get here, uh, meet me at Copley Square um, at 10:45 in the morning. You know, that's as simple as it is. Um, <clears throat> bring a sign. Uh, bring some energy. Uh, if you are anywhere else in the country, go to www.ourchildrenmatter.net. Take a look at the map. Click on a little pin near you. And if you can get to that, that rally or that parade or that march, go to it. If there's nothing near you, do it with your friends. Call some friends up tonight. You know what I mean? Have a couple of beers and talk about it. You want to go out there and spread the news. You don't need to organize with an organizer. You don't have to like check in with me or with Neil Wolf. Neil Wolf is the creator of OurChildrenMatter.net. He's an awesome guy. He he ran um, the DC march uh, and did a fantastic job. Built a whole stage for it. You know, um, there's people that are willing to to do anything they can and sacrifice their time and their lives. 
for this because we will do anything for our future for our children and that's yeah. what this is all about it's for the kids and you know I'm very passionate about it Melissa it's been our pleasure it's our, we're very honored to have you uh, let's show Melissa support uh, let her know that you heard her on the Hagman Report and uh, show up support her tomorrow in Boston or wherever you might be at check in with the website of course more on that later God bless you thank you Melissa God bless you guys take care we will be right back with Josh Peck after this. Visit HagmanReport.com for the news and articles that matter most. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. Folks, I'm going to direct your attention to masterpreps.com, masterpreps.com. Wow. Masterpreps.com, the sponsor of our show, masterpreps.com. That's masterpreps.com. Take a visit there. High-quality items, made-in-America items. I mean, anything, everything you could possibly want from cooking utensils, cooking frying pans. I mean, it is, it'll blow you away. Absolutely. Eric's a... It's insane. I mean, wow. Look at the products. Folks, visit masterpreps.com. Again, welcome to the Hagman the Hagman Report family, masterpreps.com. I mean, wow, it's insane. Masterpreps.com. Are you ready for what comes next? Hi, I'm Grace Gonzalez from Chang Personal Woods. We are an American family-owned company founded and built on skills and knowledge gained from responding to aging major disasters in the U.S. and around the world. We found that most people don't have enough food and water to survive, let alone any medicinals to save their life. We are offering 25% off our must-have American Heritage Armies kit. It contains 12 homeopathic armies, a booklet that goes over everything in your kit, and our brand new book, Major Disasters Lessons Learned. Just enter coupon code HAGMAN. In life or a disaster, you must be able to take care of yourself. You may not be a medical doctor, and your grandmother and your great-grandmother probably weren't either. But they still knew how to minister to their family's health issues. And so can you. Check out our American Heritage Armies kit at www.changepostandwoods.com. Your life may depend on it. This is Joe Charles, the guy whose voice is heard announcing for the Hagman and Hagman Report right here on YouTube and across the Global Star Radio Network. There have been many people wondering whose music is being played during those breaks. Well, you guessed it. And we're very pleased to announce that all that music and 11 brand new songs from the CD New Jerusalem is set for release on April 10th for download on iTunes. You can help support my ministry and be blessed by this awesome, inspiring recording. I have been fortunate to work with some phenomenal musicians from around the world that helped us put this recording together in the studio. Simply go to joecharlesmusic.com and click on the iTunes link. Or, if you'd rather have a CD, we'll send one right out to you. Just leave me your email and we'll get right back to you. And thanks to Doug and Joe Hagman for making this all possible. God bless.
And welcome, folks, to this edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. You know, this uh, over the last couple of days, my wife, as she recovered, was reading through some of the cards, letters uh, to the Hagman Report, and uh, tearing up, uh, actually crying over uh, just some of the great mail that we have received, uh, postal mail. And I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening to our broadcast, for being part of our broadcast, for being part of our show as we grow, as we expand, as we, as we throw down the gauntlet and say, you know what? Things are going to change. We are, we are going to be instruments of change as in obedience to God and as God wills us. But we are going to answer the call. We're going to be available to answer the call. But again, thank you so much for all of your correspondence, your emails, your, your postal mail. It is so much appreciated. Your support, your prayers, your word of mouth coverage. You have no idea how much difference that makes, uh, by spreading the word about our show. That said, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're listening to this on Global Star Radio or whatever venue, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, even if you don't watch the YouTube. That, uh, again, that that uh, raises our visibility, and it uh, provides an extra layer of insulation as we go forth and uncover topics like uh, the pedophilia epidemic or the, the homicide epidemic. Yes, I said homicide epidemic. As we move forward, in uncovering the evil machinations of the New World Order globalist uh, progressive uh, people out there. And oh, I also want to thank uh, uh, Todd uh, and his family, his staff, Global Star Radio Network, for curing our program. Great job. Uh, again, thank just thank each and every one of you from the bottom of our hearts for being part of what I would call a movement um and I'll just leave it at that because I, I look at it as something that's much bigger than each one of us. Also, thanks to John Robertson for everything you've done and really stepping, uh, stepping up and putting together some fantastic shows as our program director slash producer. I think he, he kind of, uh, shies away from program director that adheres to producer, but the fact of the matter is he's the engine behind what you hear every night in terms of the uh, the content. So thank you, John Robertson, a very special thank you. The guy never sleeps, i tell you that. Um, and now we have with us Josh Peck. Josh, everyone knows Josh Peck. Apart from being the creator of the Sharpening Report, uh, he's also an avid researcher of, of various topics, the author of numerous books, and, and I've got them. And they're mind-benders. They're good reads, don't get me wrong, they're extremely good reads. And they, they, they actually allow me, if I can understand what I'm reading, that's the quality, to, to me, that's the quality of a, a great author. When you can take a complex subject like, um, string theory or quantum physics and, and allow me to understand that. So you're a big fan of Dr. Seuss. <laughs> yeah, if it rhymes. <laughs> so I, I'll give you that. But a very talented author, Quantum Creation, um, and, and many other works. Skywatch TV as well. Uh, he's been featured on numerous radio and television shows. And we had the Rising Star. Yes. The pleasure of meeting Josh in, in Ohio a few years ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, at a conference there. Him and his beautiful Columbus, wife. Ohio. Yes. Yeah, and that was a, a real treat. Yeah, indeed. Um, 
before we get to Josh, ready-made resources. Folks, go to ready-made resources. Make sure you are prepared for whatever might be coming down the pike. ReadyMadeResources.com. Check out their night vision equipment, their communications equipment, all of their long-term storable food, the products that they carry second to none. If you're looking for that one-stop shop for the Cadillac of products for preparation, ready-made resources. Bob Griswold, the man behind the operation, fantastic. I can't can't recommend it him enough. ReadyMadeResources.com. Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you. Let's bring Josh in. Yeah, again, Josh Peck, uh, thesharpeningreport.com. He's been a guest on our show several times, and he um, continues to, to expand the number of platforms and, and his uh, his view out there. I actually was watching a went to click on a YouTube video the other day and it was somebody who, who took one of Josh's videos and, and put it up on their channel. Uh something I already seen. But Josh, welcome back to the show. It, it's great to have you and I know you got some pretty important subject matter that you're gonna be covering tonight. Well hey Joe. Hey Doug it's good to talk to you guys again. It's always a uh, a blessing to come on your show. Uh uh, I was saying earlier one of my favorite shows to to do, and I, I really appreciate that uh, you've always uh, you know made made uh, made me feel at home here on the Hagman and Hagman Report. I love you guys, and uh, thank you for bringing me on. Yeah, uh, th- this is this is a very important topic, and I know um, it's something I think especially uh, con- uh, content producers or or people who have shows, especially people who have uh, YouTube channels who are using them to to try to get. Uh, the truth out to people, um, especially within Christianity. Uh, a lot of us go through um, some of the stuff we'll be talking about today, uh, some of the negativity that can be launched our way uh, through, you know, comments or uh, things like that uh, on our outlets when we're just trying to, you know, we're trying to do God's work, we're trying to get the truth out to people, and sometimes we get blasted for it. I, I'm sure you guys have never had to deal with that. Never. <laughs> you, you know, if, if yeah, uh, folks, we're going to be talking about uh, uh, Christian cannibalism, not, not of course, cannibalism in the actual practical eating flesh sense, but uh, just, in my view anyway, just as um, horrific, and that is the how Christians are coming after other Christians. Remember Tom Horn wrote a book called Blood on the Altar, titled Blood on the Altar. We had done a couple of shows on that book, and we're seeing that come to pass. And this is the subject matter for tonight. And I think it's so important because we are the recipients of some of the most horrific, some of the most disgusting, some of the most vile, some of the most vicious um, uh, content, the, the lies, Disinformation by people, deliberate, uh, uh, deliberate disinformation, deliberate, obviously the lies. The stuff that's in the, the public that other people see. And then, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, we got an email, um, somebody, uh, somebody said, how dare you take advantage of, of your wife's illness to, to hawk, but some, some way out of left field. Well, you know? I, 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 yeah, I know the, the private idiot that, that we, wrote that, but, but those are the, the I mean, yeah. we have a lot of stuff like that that's private, that's under the radar that nobody sees, but then we have, uh, also what you're talking about, it, you know, you have the lawsuits, the legal stuff, and then that's right. the attack, attacks from other so-called Christians on stuff that isn't true, it's made up, I mean, just slander, lies, and defamation. So, so that some comes of those, the territory, right? Well, you know what, and let me just interject here, and then I'm going to shut up for the rest of the time. Uh, sure I am. 
But the fact is, Coach Dave, Coach Dave Dodd-Meyer says, you know, what do you expect? We're in a war. And and I get that. We are in a war. So I fully expect that. And I don't have a problem with somebody saying, you know what, Doug, you're an idiot. Um, I, I really don't have a problem with that because right. a lot of times I, I resemble that remark many times. <laughs> but the friendly fighter, the... Uh, yeah, exactly. That's, uh, what, that's what comes out of left field. It, right. And And when I see someone saying that they are a Christian but they act as a prosecutor for, um, uh, as a prosecutor would, saying, I am a Christian, and you, Hagman and Hagman Report, you are um, profiting from fear. Well, no, we're trying to help people by informing people. Uh, if we mention a book that would help them, so be it. We have nothing to apologize for. But what gets me is, is the... Is the um, what what saddens me? If I was not a Christian, looking looking into the the Christian environment right now, I would be laughing and saying, you know, we can just step back. We don't have to do do anything. These people are going to kill one another. They're gonna they're gonna implode. And this was the subject of your talk at a recent conference. I believe it was at here the Watchman in, in Dallas or Tennessee or one of those locations. But nonetheless, you had given a tremendous talk on this, so just let yeah. it rip. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Dallas. And it was in Dallas. And uh, i got to give a big shout-out to Mike Kerr and uh, Jeannie Moore from Hear the Watchmen. They're a fantastic couple, and uh, they put on this, this whole thing. Uh, and, of course, there were a lot of other people involved in, in actually getting this conference together. Uh, but they actually um, – not, not a lot of conferences uh, will allow this, and for good reason. Uh, but they allowed me to to take my uh, the video that that they shot of my presentation and actually post it on on my YouTube channel. Uh, a lot of times conferences won't you know they want to post it on their own YouTube channel or they want uh, uh, or they want to put it on a DVD set or something. So for for a, a wide variety of very good reasons, and I, I believe. Um, right and moral reasons. Uh, a lot of conferences don't allow speakers to do that, but uh, Mike and Jeannie were kind enough to allow me to, and if people want to watch the, the full presentation, uh, they can go to youtube.com slash Josh Peck Disclosure, and it, it's it's right up on there. Uh, the whole conference was amazing, but a, lo- a lot of it, it was, it was really interesting. Uh, this wasn't planned, but every speaker... Uh, you know, it's supposed to be like a big prophecy conference, and it was. We talked a lot about prophecy, uh, and I did too, but uh, every speaker had this element of of unity, that we as Christians need to be united. we got to knock off the division. we got to quit biting each other and, and fighting with each other, and uh, or we're, we're, we're not going to make it through what's to come. And, and it was really cool to see all these different talks, and you mentioned Coach Dave, he was there, and he had a very powerful talk about that, about uh, the strengths of, of true Christian love, and uh, that that was part of my presentation as well, like what biblical love actually is, and it's not this wussy, liberal, progressive left garbage that we get shoved down our throats from Hollywood and every you know non-Christian media outlet in the world, it, it, it has nothing to do with any of that. That's the fake love, and, and the Bible actually calls it out for what it is, that's fake love. True love exactly. is a lot stronger than that. It's our most precious commodity as Christians, and we should be protecting it. But unfortunately, uh, we we live in a, a, a day and age where it's very easy for people to fall into the temptation of uh, feeding their pride instead of feeding love for uh, other people. 
At the end of the day, are we talking simply ego, envy, jealousy, that kind of stuff, or is yeah. this driven by something, uh, or oh. something deeper, or, or maybe it's both, yeah. right? It, yeah, it, absolutely, it's both. It's it absolutely is uh, people's pride. Uh, p- part of this this talk that I gave, it's it kind of gets into the psychology of the internet troll, you know. And I know what I'm talking about because I used to be one years ago. And, uh, in this um, in this presentation, uh, I, I went through what that was like for me, and that was like 12 years ago. That was a long time ago. Um, but yeah, I used to be really mean and vicious online because I didn't. Uh, even though I wouldn't have recognized it as this at the time, but, uh, you know, God showed me I wasn't seeing the online world as the real world. You know, I wasn't seeing the names and pictures that I was uh, talking with as actual real people. I didn't feel like I would be held accountable for those things that uh, I was typing, but we are. We're, we're held accountable for every idle word, and that, that doesn't have to be just spoken words. It's things that we write. Um and, uh, and and things we put on Facebook and YouTube. So the question is, you know, just, just because there's YouTube and there's Facebook now, does that mean that everything the apostles had to say just goes out the window? Of course not. Uh, so I, I use this term because it's, it's provocative, and, uh, it, you know, sure, it, it's a little clickbaity, but I think that the people who would click on something that's clickbaity need this message more than others, maybe. Uh, but uh, the, the title of the presentation had to do with uh, cannibal Christians in the apocalypse. Uh, now, that term, I can't take credit for. The first time I heard it, uh, Mike Kerr said it, and then Mike Kerr said that Steve Quayle, he heard it from Steve Quayle. So uh, I'll give Steve the credit for, for that term, but I, I like it, and I think it's appropriate because it's, it's biblical. Um, and we'll get into that verse later uh, if we have time, but about how, you know, be careful if you bite, you know, you don't devour one another and stuff like that. It's basically talking about uh, emotional cannibalism. So people might be wondering, if they've never heard that term, what what is a cannibal Christian? Um, a, a cannibal Christian, is a, it's a self-professing Christian. These people will say that they're Christians. Uh, and I should make note, too, there's a difference between being saved and being a practicing Christian, being, being a follower of Christ. You can accept Jesus into your heart and, you know, get saved, uh, and then ignore Jesus the rest of your life. You know, a lot of people do, a lot of people do that. And, uh, so there's, there's a difference between what, what just being saved means and what actually living for Christ, being a Christian, uh, following, uh, what the Bible says about how to love one another and all that. So, but, but these people, these cannibal Christians, they're, they're self-professing, professing Christians. A lot of times they'll even have like a cross as their picture or, or something in social media. But they use their, their, their brothers and sisters in Christ negatively, but towards their own emotional needs. So what this does is it causes both parties to suffer spiritually, emotionally, sometimes even physically, and this is done usually through social media. Uh, we see it a lot on YouTube, um, but it can even be email or Twitter or Facebook. But as of now, here's the encouraging thing. These cannibal Christians, they absolutely are the minority, even though it doesn't seem like they are. The, the reason it seems like it's the majority is because they have the loudest voice, especially uh, online. They have the platform. Most of the time, people people like you or I or, you know, just good-natured, polite Christians, they're not going to get online and blast these cannibals. You know, they're, they're, gonna, they're just not going to comment at all. Um, that's, that's usually what I do. That's usually what most people do. And uh, uh, and if, if we're if we're bold enough, we'll delete the comment, block the the person doing it, so we don't ever have to hear them again. Um, but 
but we don't usually uh, leave a response because it's pointless. Now, that's most times the right the right thing to do, but sometimes the, the, the issue in that is it gives these people uh, the total platform and it lets them basically have run of the Internet. Now, any belief, because uh, some people believe that this is a matter of, like, which groups you belong to on, uh, on, on um uh, in Christianity, but uh, any any belief uh, within Christianity, and really any belief anywhere, I mean, even even political systems or, or beliefs outside of Christianity, but any group can um, can sprout these cannibal type people, and it, it's not so much about the beliefs as it is the people themselves, because the main motivation is usually emotional to fill some sort of need that isn't being met in their own lives in a healthy way. So in that way, absolutely, it. Uh, it's an ego-driven thing. However, there's also a spiritual component to it. Uh, there, 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 there are principalities and powers. Uh, Ephesians 6.12 tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, meaning we're, we're, people aren't the problem. We're not supposed to be fighting with uh, other people. But what's in control of those people? Uh, so with a lot of these people, these ego-driven people who want to blast everyone online, it's, uh, it, it lists it out in Ephesians 6.12. It's principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and, you know, all those things. So what we should be doing is, is banding together as, as Christians in unity and using the authority in Jesus that we have against the, the spiritual problem that Jesus has given us authority over. Um, now, these, these cannibal types, they, they cause harm to their victims, uh, usually through emotional abuse. It's, you know, insults, name-calling. Uh, usually we, we hear of it as trolling, uh, like Internet trolls. Uh, and these, these people, they, they feel that they gain superiority by proving they're smarter or wittier or more clever or more enlightened than their victim, than people like you and me. Uh, they also unknowingly, they call, they're causing harm to themselves because what they're doing is they're, they're, they're stunting their own spiritual growth and creating this uh, victimhood mentality. And, and really it's breaking clear and direct commandments of God. And there's a lot of people that would challenge me on that. But we're going to be getting into some scripture, and it's going to be a little scripture heavy, but I don't think that that's too much of a problem. Uh, but now, like I said, many circles of belief uh, have these extremist types. Uh, so it's, it's not just any one group or another, and it's usually not even a problem with the idea itself. You know, we're, we're, we're Christians, we're different people, we're allowed to have differences uh, of opinions on different things. So uh, some of these differences in opinions, uh, some of the extremists within those views will branch off, make their own little group, and then you've got to believe everything they believe or you're not allowed in, and then you'll be trolled. So it's not, it's not the groups themselves. Uh, for example, um, uh, I do a lot of videos, you know, as, as do you guys, and I, especially with me, I'm really animated when I talk. I, I talk with my hands. Even though I'm on the phone right now with you guys and I know nobody can see me, I'm still talking with my hands. You know, I just do that a lot. And uh, I have a show, Into the Multiverse, on Skywatch TV, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a video. So I'm really animated talking with my hands all the time. People out there who, who will troll these videos, they'll, they'll go through and look at all the videos and try to find a place where I make an Illuminati hand sign, you know. And then they'll, they'll make a blog or, or a Facebook post or something and say, see, Skywatch and Josh Peck, they're Freemasons and they're Illuminati and all that. But you, you can... I, I, I do video editing, you know, for, for a job at Skywatch. There are certain frames where my good friend Derek Gilbert, you know, he, he's extremely professional. He, he's uh, 
uh, smart as they come, uh, just, just all around the kind of guy I want to be when I grow up, you know. There are times I can pick out frames where he looks drunk. You know, it's just how video editing works. So you, you can find frames. Uh, to make anything look like anything. So, yeah, and, and Josh, I, uh, I, I, I yeah. have to, I have to, t- I have to throw in here. Uh, Steve Quayle is one of the most maligned people on, on the internet, I believe. Uh, yeah. People will, will, uh, people will point out, uh, things, for example, um, uh, that, that saw, that are on, might be on his website, whether it's colors or numbers or uh, very innocent things. And of course, ascribe that to, very evil things. Same with yeah. our program. Hey, he said that three times at um, 33 minutes after the hour. So that must mean something, okay? Which is absolutely ridiculous. Not to mention, although I will, some moron had taken what I said a number of years ago and played it in reverse and is now convinced mm-hmm. I am some part of some sort of uh, secret society. Okay, no, this is the moronic, idiot, idiotic kind of crap that uh, exists out there. And believe it or not, we have people believing this. And yes, I've seen, yep. I've seen, uh, um, I've seen comments about about your videos, about uh, Derek Gilbert's, about Tom Horn. It's just, it's just, it's sad. Because these people, it is, yeah, you know, it is sad. Go, go ahead, sir. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. The the, the worst part about this is, it, in in times before the internet, these people would have had no ground. You know, if, if one of these people got up in a church and said something like that, they'd be kicked out. You know, if this was like 50 years ago, it just it wouldn't have taken hold. But because we have the internet, and unfortunately, we have a lot of uninformed and ignorant people uh, that read something and it sounds interesting and they want to believe it, not because there's any facts behind it, but because it fills some type of emotional curiosity, uh, then they spread it and then it just spreads like wildfire. I, but yeah, I've, I've heard, oh man, Tom Horn has a bunch of them. I know you guys do, Steve Quayle. And, you know, I know all of you guys personally. Uh, you know, there was a time I didn't know you personally and I would read all this garbage online and, uh, you know, of course, at, at the time, because I didn't know any of you guys, I, I thought, well, is any of this true? But then, you know, I had a second of clarity and realized, well, there is no proof, so probably not. You know, if there was any proof that any of this was true, that would be big news. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so I, you know, I've gotten to know you guys. I've gotten to know Steve Quayle. Uh, I, I did a whole expedition with him for, uh, him and Tom Horn, the, the, um, unearthing the lost world of the cloud eaters. You know, I, I spent a lot of time with these people and, and I love all you guys to death. You all are great. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think, and, you know, I, I would have to include myself in this. I, I think that we get a bad rap for things that uh, that are, are ridiculous. They're not uh, anything that we're even doing wrong. But it puts us in this this um, position where we almost we, – we either, we either can just not care what we say, you know, and actually I think that's probably the, the best way to go, or we have to be so careful not to offend anybody that you may as well call us a liberal. <laughs> and we don't want to go down that path. But uh, so, so a lot of – <laughs> so a lot, a lot of groups will, you know, they'll, they'll spawn people like this. And, um, and I, I, before I get to the big one, I'll even throw my, my own group in there, the quantum physics crowd, you know, electric universe, uh, Einstein versus Tesla, all that stuff. I've had people that have tried to fight me on stuff, and I just don't because it's so stupid. Who cares? Um, I, I don't, I like the gravitational model. Most people aren't going to, there's a big debate uh, among 
Christians who like quantum physics, uh, well, is it electric universe or is it, you know, Einstein gravity universe? Uh, I like Einstein stuff, but I also like Tesla stuff. You know, I, I can see both sides of the coin, and I don't think it should be a debate because it's so stupid. What a dumb thing to fight about. Like, I'm sure that's what Jesus wants us to fight about. So, so I just, uh, I, I, don't, I don't debate it, but I, I, I'm happy to have conversations about it. Um, now, so I'll, I'll even throw my own group in there. That has produced extremists who only want to fight because it beats their ego. Uh, there, there's others. There, there's, um, you know, people who want to believe 9-11 is an inside job. And sure, it probably was. I mean, I'm, I'm a big time, I am a conspiracy theorist, and, you know, I'm a fringe guy. I'm a, I, I get it. I'm on all that stuff. But... Uh, at the same time, I would never tell somebody that they're not saved if they don't, or they're not a Christian if, if they believe differently than I do. Uh, one big example, and again, this isn't this isn't the idea itself, but I'm going to bring it up boldly because you know I'm kind of getting more on the I don't care what people say or think if they're going to get offended, no matter what I say, they're going to get offended anyway. So I don't know how uh, less offensive I can be, but. And I say in all, in all love, the Flat Earth community is, is notorious for this. And, of course, not all of them are like that. I get it. I, get, I, you know, I have friends that uh, are into the Flat Earth stuff, and they're, they're fine. They're nice people. Um, but there's a lot of extremists, and those extremists, those people who will go out, and they will email people like me or you or Skywatch or, or, or uh, message us and tell us that we don't believe in the Bible. We're preaching a false gospel because we don't believe the Earth is flat. How stupid. And I'm not even saying that flat Earth theory is stupid. If people, I don't care. If people want to believe that it's flat, that's fine. It has no bearing on, on, on me or my beliefs, and I would never question somebody's salvation over that. I don't believe it's flat, but that's my own personal opinion, and that's all it is. And hey, Josh, um, we're, so, uh, yes. we're about 20 yes, seconds... 20, 15, 20 seconds outside of a break. And okay. I think people need to understand, because you're hitting in, in real important points here, the salvation, I mean, if we all agree that, that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, we all accept him, and, and you know, that's the starting point of Christianity. At that point, we really yeah. can't demonize each other uh, for not being saved or preaching a false gospel. If we agree on that one point to begin with, that's where we got to start to branch out to build with each other and work with each other. Folks, we're talking with Josh Peck, thesharpeningreport.com. We'll be right back with Josh after this. Just what kind of thriller predicts the future? In three days in the belly of the beast, Daniel Holdings wrote about the God Particle before CERN actually discovered the God Particle. In As the Darkness Falls, Daniel wrote about an Islamist terrorist confederacy that rose up out of Syria and declared a caliphate three years before ISIS was ever heard of. In his newest novel, Between the Veil, Daniel talks about a space between dimensions where supernatural beings can walk. He says that these novels are a warning from the Creator to His creation. Will war come to America? Will the world's economies collapse? Are we looking at increased earthquakes and volcanic activity? Will the United States fall into civil war? You can find all of Daniel's work at his website, DanielHoldings.com. That's DanielHoldings.com. All of these things and more are talked about in Daniel's books. To find out what's coming next, go to DanielHoldings.com. 
Worldwide demand is making coconuts one of the highest-yielding cash crops available today. Coca-Cola, Pepsi, and many high-net-worth individuals have invested billions of dollars into coconuts for strong growth and solid long-term income. Yields could be as high as 18% or more per year. Capital appreciation and exceptional income for up to 60 long years would be an absolutely brilliant investment to pass on to future generations. Diversify wisely with direct ownership of fully managed coconuts on prime farmland close to the beautiful Costa Rican border. For more information, qualified accredited investors should go to ProfitsInCoconuts.com or phone 855-888-6288. That's 855-888-6288. This announcement does not constitute an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offer made by prospectus only. 855-888-6288 or visit ProfitsInCoconuts.com. ProfitsInCoconuts.com. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in this community and beyond. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. At HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Hagman Report. Our guest is Josh Peck, Sharpening Report. That's his uh, website. And, of course, a visit there for all of his material. And, of course, he's a, a very prolific author, uh, talk show host, Skywatch TV. Josh Peck, again, is, is our host, or is our guest. Uh, satellite Phone Store. Folks, if you're, uh, if you're concerned about communications, as you well should be, the satellite phone store is the answer. We have, of course, we use uh, satellite phones for our communication needs. In fact, we find the use of satellite phones to be uh, to, to rival the cost of uh, cell phones nowadays. Satellite phones are more reliable, and in an emergency, when you've got towers down or towers inaccessible, what are you going to do? Well, communications being important, uh, talk to my good friend at the satellite phone store, Go to SatellitePhoneStore.com. Get a hold of Eric Tallman. That's SatellitePhoneStore.com, Eric Tallman. And he'll introduce you to the various plans that he's got, that Satellite Phone Store has. Uh, one to meet your needs for sure. SatellitePhoneStore.com. Joe, I'm going to kick it to you. Let's bring Josh back on. Yeah, Josh Peck is our guest. Our, our title tonight is uh, Cannibalizing Christianity, uh, I believe. And, and Josh... Before the break, we were we were talking about how uh, people will, based on on different uh, uh, theories and, and beliefs, 
of things that aren't even biblical, how Christianity and Christians are, are under attack um, by some of their own. And the, the great example you gave is, is a flat earth, and that, um, not that that's most prevalent, but that's, you know, one of the more recent ones that we've seen. And I agree with you, you know, I'm not, uh, if people want to debate or they believe the earth is flat, that's fine. I, we need open, uh, we need, we can't be closed-minded on every issue and you know there right. al- there's always the possibility that things aren't as we believe them to be, and if we're so close-minded, there, there's no room for for growth. If but we, we have we, that we've lost attitude. But we can't. We've lost the end. Of, we've lost the civility. Exactly. We, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah we, we absolutely. Can't allow and, it to devour and, each other with this <laughs> with this stuff. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And and I want to exactly to your point there, Joe. Is I, I want to make sure that I, I'm very clear. I am a big supporter of free thought in the church. I do not believe in suppression of thought or or you, you know that you can say certain things, but other things aren't okay. And you know, again, may as well be a liberal if we're going to believe that. Uh, and who wants to be that? Uh, but but uh, I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in free thought in the church and, and open discussion. But those have to be done out of love. They just have to. And, and that's not me speaking. That, that's the Bible. That's God. And I mean, there are, in, my, in my talk, I gave verse after verse after verse after verse, a lot of passages to, uh, show, you know, to, to show that the Bible says this. You know, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, this is basic 101. You know, you've got to love other people. The Bible actually says you can't love God. It's impossible to love God if you don't love one another. Uh, and it's not even talking about the outside world. It's talking about Christians, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ. You can't love God if you don't love, love, love one another. And, and the reason I bring that up is because there are a lot of people that will use the excuse that, uh, well, the reason that I'm doing this is because I love God. And I don't, you know, almost like they have to defend God for something from a dangerous thought. Well, that's, that's ridiculous. Because God doesn't need defending, you know, we, we can, we can be in support of our own faith and everything, but what's really going on is they're defending, uh, their own ideas, uh, uh separate from God. Uh, but there's actually, and we're all gonna, we're all, anybody who's online, and it's gonna increase in the future, you know, we're, we're all gonna come across people like this, so people might be wondering, you know, what, what do I do? Uh, and again, this is the minority. I'm sure maybe 5% or 10% of people listening might be in this troll group, uh, but the vast majority of your audience, uh, Doug and Joe, are awesome. Oh my gosh, I love your audience. I, I, I The only audience that I love more than yours is uh, Skywatch TV and my own. Uh, I kid, of course. So they're, you know, they're, they're, I love everybody the same, but uh, you, you have an amazing audience. Your, your core audience, your, your actual supporters who will uh, come to your behalf and uh, pray with you and uh, all that stuff. That's what makes uh, uh, ministry uh, survivable, are, you know, good, good people like that. But there is this 5 or 10% who have this really loud voice. Uh, so people, the 90% out there who are dealing with the other 10% of people might wonder, well, what, what do we do? Uh, most times, uh, the best thing really is to block, delete, and move on. And we get a lot of this from Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 9.8 says, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you reprove a wise man and he will love you and that, that's really good advice too you know if, if if i'm saying something wrong or if i'm if i'm just being an idiot or something uh i would want somebody to correct that behavior not 
so they'll feel better about themselves, but because they genuinely love me that much that they're willing to feel a little awkward and tell me I'm doing something wrong. You know, because when you have to reprove somebody that you really love, you know, like a really good friend or something, it can be tough. But if that person is wise, they'll love you even more for it, and it really does strengthen the relationship. Uh, so, but if it's just a scoffer, you, you don't you don't reprove them, you don't correct them because they're not going to hear it. Um, and Proverbs twenty three nine says, uh, "Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, or he will despise the good sense of your words." Uh, and I've been through this. You, you know, you might you might think that, yeah, but my argument makes so much sense because what they're saying is so stupid. You know, this is just easy to uh, refute. Well, that might be true. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they're going to accept it, and they won't. They won't accept it. They will come up with some other ridiculous thing to say, and they'll keep you in these big 600-long comment threads, uh, and it will waste all your time. Uh, and then also Proverbs 26.4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. So if somebody's trolling you, somebody's bashing you online, if, if we respond to that and try to answer them and show them how they're wrong, we could actually be as foolish as they are in thinking that our words are going to have any sort of impact on someone like that. Uh, so, so that's why that's why it's a waste of time to even bother uh, with a lot of these people. Um, now, uh, let me check out my uh, notes here. I, I, and I believe that this is important for the church to uh, really get a handle on because here's the encouraging thing. Uh, here's here's a couple of encouraging things, and it, it kind of does go in the political arena. There's a weird parallel, by the way, between this cannibal Christian thing and the progressive left, and we can we can talk very a little much. bit about that. But very, yeah, it, very, it, it, yeah, it, it, very good parallel. Go, uh, yeah, I, I, while you were getting your notes there, I just want to mention you're exactly right, and, and it's interesting too um, how the parallel. Um, well, you know what? I'm not. I'm not going to muddy the waters with with the analogy I was going to give. But you're exactly right. There, and people should be aware of the parallel that does exist between the the politics end of this and the um, Christianity side of this. And it's yeah curious at best from an investigative. Yeah, uh, it's strange. And and, and I, I think I know what that's all about. Uh, and actually, that's, that's a good point. We'll 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 get to that because I think that's a really important point. Uh, I do want to say the encouraging thing though is um, liberalism, uh, the, the whole progressive left agenda. The world's getting sick of it. Millennials are getting sick of it, and I, I can—I am a millennial myself, so I can—I can—I—I uh, I know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, conservatism among millennials is growing in popularity, and actually, I believe there are more conservative millennials by far than liberal ones. But it seems like there's more liberal ones because they're the loudest. They're the ones that won't shut up. They're the ones that are protesting, and they can't—you uh, know—they want everything handed to them, and they want to shout and cry until they get their way. Whereas, like conservatives, realize, okay, if I want stuff in life, I got to work for it. You know, I—I I, I got to make that happen. Um, and so, uh, the good thing is. Um, conservatism is becoming cool again. You know, it's becoming popular again, uh, which which is good to see. You know, it's sad that we live in a, we live in not even in a world, but where we we exist in a church, even even in our in our own ranks, where just saying something like, "I really like our president. I really like Donald Trump." That's considered that's considered hate speech. It's considered anti-Christian. You know, to some Christians. Ridiculous. Why? <laughs> and I do. I like the guy. I like him a lot. Um, but anyway, uh, the, that, that's, a, that's a whole other. That's a whole other talk. Um, but uh, 
it's okay for us to have a difference of opinions about that, but it has to be handled in love. Now, what's so encouraging about this, I believe we are on the precipice not only of a political shift that is occurring because we have a Trump presidency and we're not under the Obama uh, bondage anymore. Uh, I, I believe that we're, we're going to see more of a rise in this, but even more than this, I think that there's going to be a supernatural thing happening. I, I think uh, millennials, even outside of politics, just, just millennials, young people, I think that they're going to they're going to rise up, take charge of the church, because uh, a lot of the, 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 the older generations, they, they want to go to church on Sundays, they want to have their, uh, you know, every month have their buffets or whatever. They, they, just, they, they want to do what they believe is their due diligence to keep God happy, you know, in their eyes, without actually doing anything you know Go, going to church every week just it, that's 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 not going to cut it uh, but in, in in the church there exists a group of people who do want change who are idealistic and motivated enough to actually bring about real change and that's the millennials uh, actually a, a, an excellent book on this and um I, I just started it, but I've, I've heard all about it for the past couple months. Uh, one of my coworkers and, and, and really one of my best friends in the world, uh, uh, a sister in Christ, but also just a sister in, uh, in you know, family, uh, family terminology as well, uh, Donna Howell, she has just written a book called Radicals, and it's about this very thing, about how uh, the, the millennials, uh, they're, they're the wave of the future. They are, uh, not only are they going to rise up and take take you know hold of the church and bring bring uh, about all these all these really you know good supernatural giftings back to the church, but it's happening now. And she documents that in this amazing book. Uh, and actually, uh, I want I want to say this real quick. Um, Tom Horn just put a uh, a package together. It's it's phenomenal. It's on pre-order now, but if people go to skywatchtvstore.com, they can get this uh, package. It is that book, Radicals, by Donna Howell. Uh, it's The Trump Prophecies by uh, uh, Mark Taylor and Mary Colbert, which is a phenomenal book. I've read it. Uh, they joined us in the studio recently to do some programs on it. If people uh, aren't familiar with Mark, they can just look up uh, the fire, uh, Firefighter Prophecies. Um, and it, it's, it, we don't have time to get too much into it, but it's just it's, it's phenomenal. And then also uh, uh, Jennifer LeClaire's new book, um, Angels on Assignment, again. All, all those books together, I believe, uh, let me double-check on this price, because, yeah, uh, $29.95. I'm glad I checked, because I thought it was $39. It's not. It's $29.95, plus even handling people can go to skywatchtvstore.com and pre-order that now, and I suggest that they do, because it's about all this stuff. Uh, yeah, and you, you interviewed course, Mark Taylor, too, uh, I believe, on, on yeah. Skywatch TV. Yeah, fantastic interview, folks. Uh, yeah. Go, yeah, go ahead, sir. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we did a couple of daily news reports with, with him, and uh, overall people loved it. And then we have four upcoming programs with uh, Mark Taylor, Jennifer LeClaire, and Donna Howell on all this stuff. Uh, and it's not all doom and gloom. You know how people have uh, accused you guys, we get accused of it too, uh, that we're, we're, we're just peddling fear porn and, you know, we're just making our profits on fear. That is baloney. That, that is coming from people who don't actually listen to our shows. Um, but uh, so if, if, if that's not what Mark's... Uh, uh, message is nor Donna's, um, but yeah, there is this strange parallel between the progressive left and these these cannibal Christian types. And here's just just a short list of, of some of the parallels. In case people aren't familiar with this, uh, they both have double standards. So you know what's what's okay for them isn't okay for everybody else. You know, a, uh, either a, a progressive leftist or 
a cannibal Christian, they, they can insult you all day. That, that's fine, you know, because they're doing it for God or they're doing it for their political agenda. But if you dare even defend yourself, oh, you're, you're, you're either not a Christian or you're a bigot or you're a racist or so, some, you know, something that doesn't, doesn't add up. Uh, they have a victimhood mentality. Uh, it's, it's really easy to uh, emotionally scar these people for life if you say one wrong thing that could be taken as offensive, even if it's not what you meant at all and it's clear that you didn't mean it. Uh, they, the both groups have that. They both try to put a limit on free speech. Uh, and this is this is what really burns me up about uh, uh, the, the leftists and the, the, the political camps, but also in the church. You know, it's not just an American value, free speech. That's a Christian value, too. We're allowed to have differences of opinions. We're allowed to have independent thoughts. God wants us to ask him questions. Uh, you know, there, there are plenty of passages all throughout the, the Bible where his prophets have asked him questions, like, like, Lord, this is, this is crazy. Are you sure this is what you want to do? You know, like that kind of stuff. He didn't tell him to shut up. He didn't tell him, how dare you even ask me? You know, why don't you have enough faith? He just answered them, you know. And keep keep in mind, this is God. He already knew. He already knew that these people were going to ask these questions, but he he took the time to answer them anyway and say, "Well, you know, here's here's what I'm thinking. Here's here's why I'm doing this." And then the the prophet or say, "Oh, that makes sense." Uh, there's a big limit on humor. This is a big one that I see in both these camps. Uh, liberals, progressive leftists, they have no sense of humor, neither do these cannibal Christian types. They have no sense of humor. If you try to, if you say something as a joke and if they can take it as offensive, they will. Um, and then also constant divisions. Uh, I have never seen a more divided, divided front than both. The, the, the cannibal Christian camp, because they're all fighting with each other. You know, the, 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 the Mandela effectors want to fight with the flat earthers, and they want to fight, you know, they want to fight. All, it's, it's divided. Uh, but we see that on, in the progressive left as well. You know, we, we see uh, all, all these groups like Black Lives Matter or Antifa or, uh, or, or feminists, or, they're, they're, all, they're all fighting with one another. Uh, it's ridiculous. Now, something else, and actually, uh, I, I told uh, John uh, Robertson that's on, on, or actually, no, I, I emailed you uh, back uh, today. I had not heard, this has got to be a God thing that this is coming up, because I, I didn't know about any lawsuit uh, that, that you're dealing with, and I'm very sorry that you have to deal with that. I, I don't know uh, the, the situation or what happened, but, um, you know, I, I, that, 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 I'm sorry, that, that, that sucks, and you shouldn't have to go through that, especially Christians. Uh, and this was part of my presentation. Um, lawsuits against their own. We see this in the liberal camp. It's a very, like, progressive left thing to do. They're suing each other over everything. But unfortunately, we're seeing this in the church. And 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 8, and I'm going to read this whole thing because it's so important, uh, totally blasts this out of the water. We're not supposed to be suing each other as Christians. You cannot sue another Christian and then think that you're following along, the, uh, along with the Bible, especially if it's some frivolous thing. Now, somebody, uh, of course, people are going to say, people are going to say, you know, well, what about this extreme example? You know, what if somebody dies or what if somebody, what, what if somebody blows up somebody's house? Okay, that's an extreme example. The extreme example should never define normal every day. You know, wh why should the 1% define the 99%? Anyway. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 8 says, When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to, uh, go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you 
are, are you, excuse me, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more then matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the, the brothers, but brother goes to law against the brother and that before unbelievers? To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? but you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. So this is saying, uh, ju- just to, just to um, uh, uh, keep unity within the church, just, just why don't you just take the hit? You know, God, God will take care of you. Um, and, and a lot of times this, this comes up uh, in, in, my, in my circles, being, being an author, this, this comes up with book ideas. You know, one person has a book idea, some, and they feel that another person has stolen it and written a book on it and then they want to try to bring the law into it. Uh, it uh, that'll never work. Uh, but even if that's true, um, if, you really, if you really believe it, it, there have been a couple of times where I could have had these feelings and taken this stance. You know, I, I don't believe I ever legitimately had any uh, uh, ideas stolen from me or anything like that. But even if, even if that happened, um, well, the idea must have been good enough to be worthy of being stolen by somebody, so that says something. But also, the message is getting out even more if somebody, uh, if somebody takes it, publishes it, does whatever. Okay, well, that's only helping the cause of getting the message out. Sure, maybe I'll lose out on some money or some book sales, but that's not really why I'm doing this anyway. You know, I, I have to do that stuff just to be able to survive and, and, uh, and, and, you know, provide for my family and, and be able to continue doing this. Uh, but at the same time, if that happens, God's going God's gonna to take care of it, and it, it really doesn't matter in the big scheme of things. Um, so, uh, again, I have no idea uh, who's t- taking out a lawsuit uh, on you or, or why. I don't know that situation, but whatever, whatever do, the reason yeah, is. Do, just, just to be clear, uh, yeah, just to be clear, this lawsuit now is, uh, it, it's it's in the public domain. Uh, it's about uh, a year and a half old right now. We've been dealing with this for about a year and a half, myself uh, and, and Steve Quayle. And, of course, it involves a, a number of complaints, civil complaints, in my personal opinion. I, by the way, I cannot talk about this. I, I'm not – sure. I just can't yeah. talk about it. But it's the bottom line, it's, it's um, frivolous, meritless in my view. I, I'm still allowed to have opinions. My opinion is um, it's unfortunate, uh, but nonetheless we have to fight it. You know, and, and the bottom line is the the attempt to uh, uh, to cause us grief, uh, uh, bankrupt us in the process. And um, it, but it really has nothing to do specifically with Christianity. It has to do with uh, other things. And I'll just leave it at that. But the bottom line, uh, it, sure. it's, it, 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 it's just, you know, it, it, it just, sh- it, it's an exhibit, I believe. It strikes at the heart of what is really taking place behind the scenes that people can't really discuss. But people who are on the front lines are bearing the brunt of some of the most wicked, vile, vicious, uh, war, warlike um, uh, tactics out there. It's asymmetrical warfare. It, it, it's it's unbelievable, and I've never seen such a volatile landscape as is today. So I'll just yeah. leave it at that, you know. But uh, but thank you. But yes. You're oh yeah, exactly yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. And and you know, people might be wondering too. Well, what 
Because I, I, I really do believe most Christians aren't like this. Most Christians, most Christians listening right now, even just most people, you know, we Christians, yes, but even just most people, I think, uh, can't relate to this type of mentality because it's so ridiculous. And they might they might wonder, well, why are there people like this? Why do they act like this? Why are they running the internet? You know, what, what's the cause? The cause is it's because it's not. Uh, it, it's because it's not of God. It's of the world. That's why Christians and non-Christians, that, that, that's, that's why we see it in the progressive left and uh, in the church. You know, in, in these two things that should be polar opposites, we see the same thing in some of the people because it's of the world, not of God. It's, it's a tool that the, the enemy, the spiritual enemy, um, uses across the board uh, in, in any group political or religious, and it's because it's tempting, uh, it's tempting for all humans to behave this way. Uh, we, we all have the capacity to be, uh, to want to feed our ego, you know, we all, we all want to feel heard, we want to feel important, and uh, so all humans have, have that potential. Uh, so the enemy will actually even use our passions to justify these uh, behaviors. So something like if, if somebody... Uh, we, we brought up flat Earth earlier, so we can just use that as an example. But I could even use quantum physics or you know anything. Um, if somebody like just found out about flat Earth and they're super jazzed about it and they're like, "Yeah, that, that's the coolest thing in the world. That really brings the Bible into more perspective." Hey, all the more power to you. That's great. Quantum physics does that to me, and I know I'm in the minority on that. <laughs> but um, where it can become dangerous, uh, that, so that, that's, a, that's a passion, you know, that's, that's a passion, there's nothing wrong with passions, but where it can become dangerous is when the person feels so tied in with their passion that they identify with it personally, and they need it validated by others who don't share, because they, 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 it's, it's almost this unconscious uh, thought that if I can't get people to believe this too, then it's 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 not worthy. It's not worthwhile. It's not real. You know that's why a lot of these people fight so hard, and, and I mean, will go at all out, even saying that you're not a Christian if you don't believe, uh, you know, the, the Earth is flat. It's because they're trying to validate their own view. They, they in their mind don't have any doubt. You know, they they in their own mind, they would never admit to have any doubt about what they believe in. But unconsciously, on, on like a subconscious, like inner level, they 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 get so, so much of a thrill out of this. They need it to be real. They need to validate it. And the best way to validate it is to convince somebody else who doesn't believe in it, you know. Uh, so we need to not do that. I'm really passionate about quantum physics, and I would love more people to uh, uh, learn about it and, and take an interest in it because it really has done a lot for me. Uh, in how I look at the Bible, but at the same time, I know that's not going to be everybody's deal. And I, I mean, I would never say that if you don't, if you don't, if you don't believe that angels are extra-dimensional creatures or something, or if you don't believe that God created more dimensions than what we live in, then you're not a Christian. How how could you how could you even say that you believe in the Bible because you don't accept my interpretation of it? It's, it's ridiculous. So obviously. Uh, you know, we shouldn't have anything to do with these behaviors, but the audience, the people listening, you don't have to take my word for it. Second Corinthians 6, uh, something, 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Okay, so most of the progressive leftists, you know, most of them are non-Christians, they're unbelievers. Uh, actually, to them, Christianity is, is oppressive. 
Uh, but this says don't be unequally yoked with them. So we shouldn't be acting like them. We shouldn't have a victimhood mentality. We shouldn't be easily offended. Uh, you know, we, we, should, we, we shouldn't be acting like them. Uh, also, we're a new creation. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone in Christ, if, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So what does the old look like? Well, just look at nonbelievers, especially really passionate ones. Uh, you'll find most of those uh, in the progressive left. That's what that looks like. So we sh- our behavior should not mirror those in any way. Now, along the same lines, we absolutely should be uh, praying for and witnessing to progressives and cannibals, if, it, if it's a cannibal Christian, if it's, if it's worthwhile to do so, uh, because, uh, and again, a lot of times the best thing to do is just block and delete these people, because believe me, the only reason these people are willing, are, are, are thriving is because they're being fed. You know, we, we've probably all heard the uh, popular saying, now don't feed the trolls. Uh, well, that's actually, that's, that's true. What they're feeding off of is, is your response and your, your aggression, your aggravation. They want to know they succeeded in, in, in irking you. And they all interpret that in different ways. So somebody, they just, they just want to make you mad. But to others, if they're, if they're annoying you, to them, that's validation that some of what they're saying is getting through and they validates their own beliefs. Now, if it's at all possible, so, so most times you block and delete, because if they send you this big, long, you know, 16-page thing, and you delete it and don't even read it, if that happens enough to these people, if their comments keep getting deleted by enough of us uh, who are the majority, they'll stop doing it because they, they'll, they'll starve to death. Um, now, if we actually witness to these people, though, if our usually our response should just be nothing, but if we're going to respond, we should respond with the gospel. We shouldn't respond with anything to what they're saying. You know, we can disregard all of it. But we can respond with the gospel, or if they are a Christian, or, or if they're a self-professing Christian, which, you know, who knows what they really mean when they say that, but if, if they're a Christian, we can remind them of all these love verses in the Bible, how, and not to condemn them, but you, you don't even have to interpret it for them. You just say a verse, just leave a verse as a comment. Uh, you don't have to interpret it for them. Uh, the Holy Spirit will do that, but um, if we're able to take somebody and win them to our side, whether they're a Christian or not. If we're able to uh, either bring them into Christianity or uh, change them, that is gaining one for our team. The unfortunate thing is the whole block, delete, you know, method, even though I use that most of the time, so it's not a, I don't believe it's a wrong thing to do. It's just the unfortunate thing is uh, it's, it's not converting anybody you know it's not it's not it's not adding one to our team and that's not always going to be possible anyway so with that we have to let the holy spirit guide it um and, and josh before launching into the next thing we're, are, josh, are we getting close to a break no 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 i just wanted to jump in real quick because you just sure. touched on an important point about you know a lot of times um people who enter into these discussions with strangers you know, when, when you're a Christian and you're trying to to uh, spread the gospel and, and uh, talk about Jesus Christ, a lot of times you're going to run into resistance. And the last thing, the last thing in the world that is going to win people to your side or to to the side of the gospel is uh, a by by talking down to them. Well, if you don't do this, you're gonna you're gonna go to hell, or uh, by being contentious. And and we see this a lot. And, you know, it's one thing if you're talking with, with somebody else who's a believer, and especially if you know that person, 
to where you can have a debate or a discussion that, um, you know, you guys might go back and forth or disagree. But, and this goes back to something you said earlier, whenever we're, we're doing this to, to spread the gospel and to try to convert people, it has to be done out of love. You cannot, yes. uh, you can't come at, at somebody who's on the fence even or, or anybody who's, who's a non-believer, uh, with anything else other than, than pure love and, and try to talk to them to the point where you're trying to convert them and even point them in the right direction. People will be turned off immediately if they're feeling like they're being belittled or talking down to or in any way just, uh, you know, they don't feel as though you're an equal. And that's where the, the respect for other people and, and the love that you talked about come in because, uh, if anything, it's going to turn people off to even looking into what you're you're claiming or what you're talking about. So some of the most, uh, and I just want to throw my two cents in here, some of the most fruitful jailhouse interviews I've had, whether it's at Attica or some other uh, penitentiary, is when you treat the other person, regardless of how despicable they are, with, uh, with respect. And it's interesting yeah. how they respond. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because people might also be wondering, well, what does what does that true love look like? And you know, I I, I I got to imagine people are wondering that because we don't see it a lot. You know, a lot of times when we think of love, we think about what the the, the progressive leftists and the, the liberals and, and Hollywood has, has shoved down our throat for decades. Uh, it's, it's anything goes. We have to accept everybody for who they are. We have to be careful what we say so we don't offend people. You know, it's just all this just wishy-washy garbage that doesn't really mean anything. And that's not biblical love. Now, of course, we should not be going out and offending people. I mean, if I said that, I'd be the biggest hypocrite in the world, given the whole, you know, everything I've said the past hour. But, uh, but true biblical love, uh, like I said before, we're commanded to love God and one another. So if we were only loving God and not one another, that's... 50%. That's a failing grade. You know, I got a few of those in high school, so I know what that's all about. Uh, but but uh, Galatians 5, 13 through 15. Um, and people can look this up. This is what, this is where the whole uh, uh, cannibal Christian thing comes from. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. So he's, he's talking to Christians here. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another. For the whole of, uh, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbors as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So that, that's where the whole cannibal Christian thing comes from. It's, it's that passage, Galatians 5, 13 through 15. But it says the, the, the whole of the, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You have to, uh, and and then it gets into the, the you know the emotional cannibalism stuff, and it's actually impossible to treat others lovelessly out of love for God. And I bring that up because a lot of uh, excuses that I've heard is you know well I got to be like this to people because I love God so much. That is baloney. Um, it's actually a harsher word that I probably shouldn't say on radio. But First <laughs> uh, John four twenty through twenty one <laughs> says, "If anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar." And just right, right there, just plainly says it. For he who does not love his brother whom he has 
who he has, has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Uh, so you can't love God if you don't love your brother. Now, we're commanded to pray for uh, and bless and even even love our enemies. So surely we can do the, the same for each other. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't, in a minor dispute of doctrine or, uh, doctrine or ideas or theology, uh, you know, I think the best solution is you pray for the other person, ask them to pray uh, for you, and, and let God, you know, in case we're mistaken, because we got to understand we could be wrong on things too, uh, then let God decide it. Unfortunately, not a whole lot of people will agree to do that, but if, if you get a good one, they, they will. Um, but we're supposed to live peaceably with all. Romans twelve fourteen through 21 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Uh, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with uh, one another. And one second. Uh, let me... There we go. Make this a little bit more readable. Uh, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Uh, so that repay no evil for evil, but you can't be a bully to a bully. You just, you can't. Um, it also it goes on to say, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So God's got our back. We don't, we don't, have, to do, we don't have to avenge ourselves. Uh, and then it, it also says, To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, and then Luke uh, 6, 27 through 31 tells us how we're supposed to love our enemies. It says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. The one who strikes you on the cheek, you know, offer the other also. Uh, from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everybody who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. So this can tell us how to deal with some some of these people, but more importantly, I'm hoping that this is uh, I, I I know because we at Skywatch get it too. I get it on my own channel. I know trolls listen to your show just to blast it. So that's who I'm talking to right now. And I, I really pray for the Holy Spirit to con, uh, uh, convict some hearts right now because those are the people that really need this message. It doesn't matter if they want to think that they're right in their doctrine and you guys are wrong and Josh Peck is wrong and Tom Horn is wrong and then that gives them every right to blast us. That's not biblical. Uh, there, there's, there's nothing in the Bible uh, that, that says that. Um, now, true love, I mentioned before, what does true love look like according to the Bible? Uh, true love is really difficult, <laughs> and, and it should be. And I brought this up at the top of the show. Um, but uh, Luke 6, 32 through 36, so th this is a really eye-opening passage that is uh, completely against what we're taught in the world. Uh, it says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Uh, and if you do good to those who do, do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? 
Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. True love, and that's the end of the verse, true love is extremely difficult because we're expected to, true love gives more than it receives. Always. Uh, true love, you, you don't love somebody because they love you back or so they'll love you back. True love is, is given freely and uh, it's, giving, it's given just at the expense of itself without any guarantee that you're going to get anything back. It's, it's really difficult uh, because there's no fleshly incentive in true love. There's no... There's nothing that's going to feed your ego. There's nothing that's going to make you... Uh, um, uh, feel in, in a fleshly way, I want to be careful how I word it, in a fleshly way, there's nothing that's going to make you feel any better about yourself. Now, in a spiritual way, it'll fulfill all those things and beyond. Um, and actually, uh, love uh, is the most important thing. It's our most important commodity as Christians. And instead of uh, it, instead of just throwing it away and trading it in for this, this, this liberal Hollywood agenda type of everything goes love, uh, we should be protecting it. I mean, it really is our most precious commodity. Uh, this is my favorite passage in the Bible, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8. A lot of times this is read during, like, marriages and weddings, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but And, and it's, it's fine for that. But that's not that's not exactly what it's about. That's not that, that, that's a piece of what it's about, but it's not the whole thing. Um, so a lot of people know this is the love passage, but, but think about it in this context that we're talking about with uh, social media and internet trolls. So Paul says, uh, and again, he is speaking to Christians here. Uh, he, he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but not but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Uh, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Uh, but again, love never ends. So that tells us no matter what we do, no matter what we think we're doing for God, if we think we're blasting somebody online for God, Paul, Paul is even saying here, even if I deliver my body to be burned, but I'm not doing it out of love, if it's not out of how the Bible defines love, it is worthless. So, obviously, that's a pretty extreme situation, you know, being delivered to be you know burned and all that. Obviously, a YouTube comment or a Facebook comment, <laughs> by comparison. Uh, if you're not doing it out of love, it, it, it is just so worthless. It's, it's a waste of time, and it does not make God happy. Um, now, 
This, of course, goes for us researchers and authors and preachers and pastors, and this goes for all of us, too. So I'm not, I'm not letting us off the hook. And actually, we're held more accountable to this. Um, James 3.1 says, uh, and when I first read this, it was kind of a scary verse, but it's, it's quickly become one of my favorite verses. Uh, because the, once we realize what we are, what we are in the church, what we are in the body, uh, we can take hold of it. And this can help us. Uh, stay on the straight and narrow. James 3 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater uh, strictness. As well it should be. You know, if we're, uh, if we're out there teaching people, and, uh, then, then it should be. Um, now, uh, I would say any Christian online who's presenting their opinions and are, uh, uh, is making it seem as though it's truth would fall in this category as a teacher. And I think that's what James is saying here, that not everybody should be a teacher like that. You know, sure, share opinions, have discussions, but make it known that it's your opinion. It's not, it's not truth. It's not doctrinal truth. You know, have some humbleness and humility about it, because if you're going to be a teacher, and there's nothing wrong with that, but if you're going to be one, you're going to be judged with a greater strictness, as it should be. Um, but we also set the example, uh, James three thirteen through 18. Uh, and, and again, for people who love the book of James, check out Radicals by Donna Howell. I can't stress that enough. I'm not just saying it because I work for Skywatch. Uh, actually, Tom and Donna don't even know I'm, I'm talking about the book on this. But it is a phenomenal book. I believe in every word of it. Uh, I believe in Donna herself. She's an amazing person, an amazing writer. Uh, and I, I think people can really benefit a lot. But James, uh, the, she, she does a lot with the book of James in, in that book. Uh, James three thirteen through 18 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So as I said before, I think we're getting to a point where we, we can't stay quiet about this stuff anymore. We need to talk about this stuff. I need to bring up examples like Flat Earth, even though I know people are going to blast me over it, and I'm going to get emails, and I'm going to get a bunch of hate comments and stuff. Uh, but I, I don't think that we're in a, a, a position where we can just stay quiet about this. Now, I'm not saying that we always have to answer the trolls, but we should uh, be talking about this like we are on this show today. The, like I said before, the majority of Christians now – usually stay out of controversial discussions because they want to be polite, you know, they don't, they, they just want to be good Christians and live out their lives. Uh, and they should, they should have the right to do that. But, you know, we can't always politely bow out of the conversation anymore. You know, again, we don't have to answer a troll, but that doesn't mean that we should just never talk about this stuff. Because refusing to discuss, that's given uh, the minority the loudest voice right now. I, I think actually there need to be more shows like this. There needs to be more blogs and articles online, more Facebook posts about loving one another, uh, about how much we love one another. We should be picking up the Internet with that. Yes? Just, just let me uh, inter interject very quickly here. Sure. Instead of perhaps uh, such a contentious uh, subject as flat Earth or even the tribulation or something, something even much more basic and simple. For example, um, 
we we should uh, prepare. You know, uh, we should be good stewards with our money. Prepare. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the, the issues of preparation, for example, is something very very basic that that really That's doesn't a good have one. any. Okay, so w- without the emotionalism of of something like flat Earth or something like that. Um, why, I guess, using that as an example, to talk about that and to urge other Christians to uh, to be wise and prepare, whether financially or for your family or whatever, why, for example, do we have Christians, and I guess this is the core question, why are there Christians out there who feel it is their sole duty to, um, to take on um, others who talk about urging others to, you know, to prepare? Um, and yet they do nothing else except tear down those of us who talk about that as opposed yep. to doing anything good to advance the kingdom uh, or to advance the word. I, I guess I just want to offer you the alternative, yeah. uh, you know, and ask that question at the same time, seeing as though yeah. I believe that, that, it strikes at the yeah. core. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually a, a much better example than the flat Earth thing. Because flat Earth, whether you believe it's round or not, that's not going to get anyone killed. Uh, if you're not prepared, that could get you killed. And um, that's a, that's that's a better point. I, I I'm glad that you brought up, brought that up. That's a much better example. Yeah. So the the answer has two layers to it. Um, the, the first one, the person who's coming out against you know being prepared and. I, <laughs> The main reason that they're doing it is is spiritual in nature, and they don't know what they're doing. Uh, There are principalities and powers that are pulling the strings and influencing uh, people behind the scenes to come out, because to come out against people like you or Skywatch or, or Jim Baker or any number of people who provide preparedness materials, because the enemy doesn't want us prepared for anything. They 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 want us. Comfortable in our in our in our lives where we're not prepared. So when disaster does hit, and it will, the Bible promises it will. Things are going to happen. It doesn't even have to be a big rapture tribulation thing. It could be a, a, a flood in um, New Orleans or something. I mean, there there's, there was actually reports of people uh, who survived because they had preparedness materials in their attic in case there was a flood. You know, so it doesn't even have to be a big tribulation thing. It can just be just normal. Um, you know, we, we live in Missouri. We get tornadoes here. You know, we, we're, we're prepared for that. <laughs> you know, I, I, when, we, uh, when we were looking at what house to buy, I, I specifically picked one that would have some type of shelter uh, in case uh, of a tornado because we, we have problems like that. So, but the enemy, you know, Satan and his minions, they, they don't want us prepared. Uh, and who has more influence over a Christian than another Christian? You know, it, it, they could get, and sometimes, you know, we, the enemy does use atheists or, or other, you know, other people to, to do stuff. But uh, to try to convince us that our doctrine is wrong or that we shouldn't follow biblical principles about being prepared, it's going to be far more convincing if the enemy uses another Christian to do it. So they'll pick the, the, the weak-minded Christians or the, the weak in faith or, or the ones who, who are susceptible to this, the ones who need to fill, uh, feed their ego. And then it becomes almost a symbiotic like relationship where the, the, the person blasting like you guys or Skywatch for uh, providing uh, preparedness materials uh, they're getting their ego fed because they think they're they're they think they're taking on the man. You know, they're taking on like a big corporation or something, and it's not. It's like some you know little Christian ministry who just wants to help people. But in their mind, they build it up like this. Uh, 
they, they think that they're actually doing something good. They think that they know something that other people don't. You know, they see through the, 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 the fog and they see through the wool over everybody else's eyes. You know, how could you be so foolish to spend hundreds or thousands of dollars to, uh, you know, on things that will never happen? That is so satanic. That, that is such a ridiculous uh, way of thinking. Um, we're supposed to be prepared. Uh, we're, we're supposed to keep our house in order. And actually, the Bible says you're an infidel if you don't. You're worse than an infidel uh, if you don't have your own house in order. So we're supposed to be doing those things. Uh, now, the person doing it again, they, they don't. Um, I, I fully believe that if they are truly a Christian and if they really did understand that their strings were being pulled by, by demonic entities to just outright blast people uh, for, for wanting to take care of themselves and their family, if they really saw beyond the veil what was really going on, they wouldn't do that. Um, but unfortunately, don't, they don't. Unfortunately, a lot of them are, are ignorant and uninformed. I don't mean ignorant as in they're stupid, even though they are kind of acting stupid, but I just mean they're uninformed. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I hope that answers your question, but I am glad that you brought up the preparedness thing. Yeah, I, I just... I didn't mean to get you off your stride there, but no, 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 I figured, no. you know, uh, the argument or the assertions, I think, work with whatever topic you're dealing with. And I just want to remind you, uh, we, we have about eight minutes left. I can't believe how quickly this time has gone. So, wow. Uh, you know, so go ahead and continue, sir. Sure, I'll run through the rest of this real quick, and then uh, and, and then we can conclude. But uh, but yeah, the, the preparedness angle is a really good uh, way to look at it because also. Usually, if you're not willing to be physically prepared, you're not going to be willing to be spiritually prepared. You're not going to be if you're not willing to do something easy like buy extra food. Um, and I'm not saying I mean I get that people you know some people don't have the money and they can't do it. I, I get all that, and I believe that God will make provisions for that. But if they're not willing to do something that's that's easy and and you know. Uh, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? It's it's just an easy thing to do, you know. It's readily available. A hard thing to do is to change behavior. That's hard. A hard thing to do is is to stop doing something that uh, we want to do because it, it feels good to our ego or something like that. Uh, so if somebody's not going to be physically prepared, that's the second part of the question, the second layer uh, of, of the answer to your, que your question. The, the enemy knows if somebody's not going to be physically prepared, chances are, uh, which is relatively easy to do, then chances are they're not going to do the hard thing and be spiritually prepared uh, and, and change behaviors like uh, like trolling people online or um, learning to love one another. Um, now, you know, like, like I said before, if somebody is just a troll or a cannibal Christian online, of course, they should immediately be blocked. Their comments should be deleted from social media outlets. Let's not give them a platform. Uh, they will eventually stop if we're all doing that, if we're not listening to it, if we're not taking the time to respond back. They'll stop. Now, it's better and far more effective to instill change through uh, combined and massive social behaviors rather than trying to force or demean or insult our way to it. And, and this is why you can't uh, insult these people or you can't, you can't blast them back. You can't bully a bully. It's not going to change anything. It never will. The best way to do it, because to them, you're, you're, you're trying to force something on them. Actually, we see this in politics, too. You know, there, there's a lot of uh, uh, liberals that are trying to make legislation, make laws around things they consider social problems. You know, if it's a social problem, it should stay a social problem. For example, um, there, there have been attempts uh, for the past couple of decades to regulate the things that we eat, 
you know, uh, there, there have been a lot of stuff like that. But when, and, and this, this is an example, when uh, none of that ever affected me, uh, before I moved here uh, to, to Skywatch, uh, I would just eat whatever garbage, fried food, and I didn't care about anything, and, and, you know, I didn't care. But I moved here, nobody gave me any talk, nobody sat me down and said, Josh, you're eating unhealthy, you, you know, I care about you, you should take care of yourself. Nobody did any of that. But everybody here just generally eats really healthy. And I found myself doing the same thing. Nobody said anything. Nobody, nobody told me I had to. Nobody put any pressure on me. But it was just because the environment that I was in was different than what I came from. So socially, that change started to occur. The same can happen online. It's, it's ingrained in humanity. The same thing can happen online. If we, uh, if we create an online environment, where we're talking more about love. We're not giving a platform to the cannibals or, uh, you know, we're not doing any of that, but, but we're filling the internet with like these, these good natured things or even talks like this. You know, we, we've dealt with a lot of controversy tonight, uh, but it's still a good conversation. It's, it's a, a, a good show. It's something that a lot of people can benefit from. If we're filling the internet with that, Oh man, these, these trolls will have nothing. They will have no leg to stand on. And actually, politically, the same for the progressive lefts uh, as well. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, again, when if we're faced with somebody online who, who's uh, confronted, uh, if we're confronted with challenges to our own ideas or something, if we're going to answer, we should answer out of a love that they have likely never seen. Most of these people, they don't know love. They don't know real love. Most of these people, they have the liberal, you know, Hollywood love, and they're unsatisfied with it because it's empty and it's vain. Uh, they don't know true biblical love. So we should show them that even though if, if they're just a jerk, you know, and they're not going to change their mind, then, you know, we don't reprove the scoffer, so we block them. But if it's somebody that, that, that has some level of redeemability where there's something that's saying they might actually be open to reason, uh, then put them above yourself and show them love. Now, don't let them abuse you. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't become a victim. Uh, but show them love and see how they respond. If they respond negatively, okay, block, delete, move on. That's it. You know, uh, you tried. Uh, God, God will take it from there. Um, but uh, you actually, like you said, with your, your prison interviews, when you're willing to meet somebody uh, uh, 50-50, you know, when you're, when you're willing to, as Paul said, be all things to all people, when you're willing to meet them on their own terms, on their own grounds, uh, it's unbelievable uh, the, the, the amount of respect and, and, and even love you can get, you can get back. Uh, so we should always be doing that, always be led by the Holy Spirit, and we should always be um, operating out of true biblical love and not this just crazy, cannibalistic, progressive leftist version of love that's not even real. It's a big fantasy. Uh, so I say we should come out of the fantasy, uh, be unified as a church uh, under the authority of Jesus Christ, and let him lead. Amen, Josh. We only have uh, about a minute and a half left, and the topic tonight was so important, and you're right, we have dealt with a lot of, of controversial issues, and you know, uh, maybe sometime in the future we can expand this discussion, because I would love to hear sure. you know, what the audience has to say, you know, maybe there's some points we missed, or... Well, or well, didn't hit as, as much as Joe. He's got he's got the uh, presentation on the sharpening. By the way, folks, I would follow up this interview with the entire presentation that's on uh, his website, the sharpening report. Yeah, right. 
Yeah, yeah, you can go but, to sharpening. I mean, it's uh, it's just it's just uh, sharpeningreport.com. No, uh, it's just sharpening report. Uh, they can go there and they can go to youtube.com slash Josh Peck Discloser. Um, and I'll say please subscribe. And also, if you're listening to the Hagman and Hagman Report right now, please subscribe. It, it, it like like Doug said at the top of the show, it might not seem like it means a lot, but it really does because YouTube bases everything on numbers. Um, and that's a whole other show that we could that's a whole other show but it really does help a lot when you subscribe yes right. it does um, Josh I want to thank you so much for, for coming on and uh, sharing all this with us tonight it's been a, a great show and anything you got coming up in the near future that you want to promote any any big interviews presentations uh, speeches Oh, sure, yeah. Um, well, uh, well, I told people about the Mark Taylor interviews that are coming up on Skywatch TV. You, you can uh, go to YouTube.com slash Skywatch TV underscore official and check those out or check them out on Roku, and we're just everywhere. Uh, also, right now on the Sharpening Report, my, we're, we're, we're moving all of the Sharpening Report episodes onto a new channel because the Sharpening Report has an amazing new host. His name is Sam Johnston. I love this guy to death. He's even oh, younger than him. me. but he's a, We met him in Chicago, oh, yeah, yeah. Josh. Yeah, yeah, you guys did, know him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's, uh, awesome. he's he's a great guy. Yeah, he's he's going to be he's hosting the show now. He's already done a couple interviews, and uh, he's a young millennial conservative. And uh, e- even though he's young, he's got a really good head on his shoulders. He's extremely informed, and he's ju- he's just a sweet guy. Uh, he's, yeah, you, he's you did really well nice with guy. him. You did well with yeah. him. I'm, I'm going to tell you. Uh, well, it, thanks, it, Josh Peck, folks, is one of the finest uh, men that you'll ever meet Josh and his wife and his work product his product uh, just like you heard uh, a great guy Josh thank you thank you so much well, for, you. for really tackling this topic which is very difficult very controversial sure. but you did it with uh, great sophistication and uh, a plum and that'll do it for us this well, week thank until you, next thank week you guys. stay safe God bless have a great evening <laughs>